0: bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is, it's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex. Wait more or other keywords, and use our buy it now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your marketplace account to your ship your reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the marketplace to sell your animals and supplies, and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad. It also gets fed to the reptile report and our powerful marketplace Facebook page. Buying and is selling? Use shipyourreptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rate. Shipyourreptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animal successfully. Use Shipyourreptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship the reptile successfully, live customer support, and our live on time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit thereptilereport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder. Then visit shipreptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related.
1: Tonight is a show that I've been waiting for since 2012, I think.
2: <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh,
1: Has it yeah. been that long? Uh, I don't know. I know the last time I heard, uh, when, when did we go to Tinley Park? 2013, maybe it was. 2014?
2: The first know. time, because we went, because this past no, October when we moved was it. the second time, right? Yeah. Then we went yeah. the year before that. So right? I the you
1: before that. So, yeah, okay. Okay. So, 2014. Um <laughs> the uh the Silver Peppered Inland Carpet Python is a <laughs> is one of the coolest morphs I think uh that I've ever seen in a carpet python. Um
3: what the hell are
2: you doing yeah. over there, man? Shaking Nothing. I'm not I'm just sitting there. No. Oh. Well Darren's sending pictures of Ruffy, so I'm not paying attention to you. But um oh. it's uh the 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 silver pepper is like it's definitely up there on one of the top Morelia morphs and it's weird because it's so so new, but it looks so different and so cool. Like it jumped up that ladder of the coolest morphs in Morelia so quickly, it was ridiculous. So.
1: Yeah, it's definitely my favorite. Of course, it's the one I can't have though. <laughs> you know? damn it that's
2: how it always is. It's like this, this one is amazing. I would love to have a pair of these. Oh, it's in Australia. Damn it. So we have to just kind of watch from afar. So, but it is one. If you guys, if, if you're listening and you haven't seen pictures of these animals, um, go now to uh google type it in or go to the Morelia python uh the uh radio facebook page and look it up even go to moreliapythonradio.com cuz don't we have a picture of it there yep yes okay cool yeah. i was going i was hoping we did it before I, after i said it <laughs> um so if not you'd be working furiously right now um, <laughs> so Definitely go there, check it out. It's really cool. The best way to describe it is it's almost like a really reduced
4: zebra granity
2: kind of looking animal with with the base colors of an inland that make it just gorgeous and uh it's definitely one of my favorites. I would kill for one so uh
3: yeah, he, so, now
2: he's you with imbricata pictures so yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now you're talking my language. Um, yeah. So, yeah, our good friend, uh, Darren Whittaker, um, he, uh, he is down there in Australia, and um, he yeah, produced these uh, really cool-looking uh, Silver Pepper Inlands, as they're called. I think the first time I saw it was in the complete carpet Python book, and uh, mm-hmm. I was just floored by it. To me, being a morph guy, um, you know, I'm <laughs> just uh it's just so awesome, but uh what's cool about it is inland carpets um which here in the states really haven't uh you know i, I guess they haven't really uh, taken on you know like the die hard carpet people sort of have them um mm-hmm. but uh mainstream eh, it's not really it's not a great thing yet, but they will be because they are it, definitely they, they the definitely will be. hardiest and coolest carpet. Uh, probably one of my favorites, I think. I think they would be one of my favorites.
2: Um, well, it, <laughs>
1: it, just... it, it took a while
2: for Bread Lie to catch on, and what really kind of kicked Bread Lie into the stratosphere was having the stripes and the hypos and now the stonewash, and, and it's like you still get the basis of the appreciation for bread lie, but it, but it takes some time. It's almost like you need to have a few morphs. You need to have a few people who own one or two, because then they'll show them to other Morelia heads and then they'll go get one. It's kind of just how it goes. And Inlands is definitely like starting to go the same path as bread lie, where some people have them. And then the way they kind of show them off to other Morelia heads, it's starting to progress. Like I all your inlands, and now I have to get a pair of inlands. So, you know, that's just how that happens. Um, so, if, uh, if yeah. the silver peppers were here, I imagine everyone would have inlands. So,
1: oh man, <laughs> yeah, there was a question that came up the other day in uh, one of the mm. Facebook
2: groups, and it basically
1: said that if Australia decided to open up uh, exporting, uh, Oh. And you could well. They had to choose. You could choose one animal or one type of snake. What would it be? Well, one type of
2: reptile. What would it be, and why? Um, Wait. So one and, type. How many can I yeah, get of that could, type? Um, I,
1: it wasn't really clear, but those rules good, sort of went good. out the window really quick. <laughs> you can't pick just one. You know what I mean? You can't. It's so, impossible.
0: So of that, course, that is
1: impossible. Of, of course, my pick was the Silver Pepper Inland and a pair of Imbricata, oh. uh, locality Imbricata. Then I thought about it, and I came back, and I said, you know what? I think I would go there with a GPS, mm. and I would mm-hmm. find, you know, each of the subspecies um, <clears throat> and get some true locality with the GPS coordinates
2: Oh, you'd be uh, that I annoyed. Say,
1: okay. Uh, but, dude, you would never hear somebody ever again say, "That's not pure." <laughs> you know what I
2: mean? It'd be like, I would. Ah, I would. I would email it to you every day, <laughs> just to annoy you. <laughs> it's, it's not pure. I'm <laughs> not sure. I'm not sure you were reading that GPS right. So you know, I would. You know, you were in just jungle just, territory. Yeah, that's where were you again? I'm looking at the topographical map in front of me, and I don't believe you. So you know, it's there's always going to be somebody. But I, I I would just have a case. See, the problem is I would make a poor decision, and you I would yes. just get a case of rough scales. And when they arrived, I'd be like, I did you just say a rough case." And you're like, "Oh, and, did you, yeah, you said a case." Yes, right? I did. It's not a beer. Yes, I did. <laughs> I said, I don't. I, okay. I don't see the problem here. Yeah, exactly. Stop yeah. it. So, but it's funny because you'd be like, oh, and why didn't you just get, like, 20 rough skills? I wanted 20 rough skills. Why did, you could have gotten other animals. Oh, shit, you're right. Oh, well. I mean, like, it's just like I would just ruin it because of the blinders for the ruffies. That's why yeah. I rely on I, And I'm like, well, I can I can get silver peppers when Eric makes them. So. Yeah, we would have to be strategic in how we brought things in mm-hmm. and uh. Man, that you would
1: have. That to be. Be. That would oh be my cool. God!
2: Well, uh, even even if it's just for, even if it's only you're allowed to import from breeders, like even if we're not allowed to import from anybody else but licensed breeders, we could call them. <laughs> just.
1: Oh, All you right, know man. what? I think uh, I think Scott Scott Eper said something on on that thread. I said to him, my comment was, "Well, I probably would be poor, and you probably would have a new house."
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be yeah. Yeah. So everybody's getting uh, extensions would, put on their house because Owen and Eric are bankrupt. So Yeah. Here's the Morelli Python radio wing. Um yeah. we just added
1: this extension on uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah, perfect. But um Cooler. yeah. But of course, like true Morelli Python radio fashion, uh, the show that I'm most excited about I feel like crap. <laughs> so, of course. Uh, you know, I'm going to uh, push through this one, uh, no doubt, because, you know, like I said, this is going to be uh, awesome. We're going to hear the history of the morph. Uh, obviously, we're going to be teased because it's something that we don't have. But, um, like, uh, if you don't know, uh, Darren, he keeps a wide range of Moralia. He keeps Ruffies. He keeps... Mm-hmm. Like we said, Morelia imbricata. I know he has King I, um, you know, he does Antaresia. <laughs> so he has he has a lot of reptile experience. So it'll be cool uh when he gets on here we can talk to him. Um one I guess of the uh more exciting things in our news is that uh we were voted the
2: radio show of the year, uh by the reptile yes. report. Uh, The reader's choice So it wasn't Voting voting from readers And listeners Which we obviously want to thank All of you Who went and voted For us Because it's awesome So thank you very much Yeah absolutely Um, Also We
1: want to send a shout out To the uh, You know to all the breeders and keepers that have come on here and shared their info Mm -hmm. with, with everyone and, uh, you know, gave their time. And I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, reptile, the reptile report for, uh, running, running the ad, uh, running the contest. And, um, uh, you know, I, I'd imagine that's a lot of work. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just good to recognize, you know, positive stuff rather than negative stuff, which, you know, we'll have plenty of that to talk about next week. (laughs) Yes, we will. When it's just just me and Ellen. But, uh, you know, uh, it's just good to see positive people in the industry uh, recognized uh, for their achievements. Um, You know, I I guess, you know, I want to send a you know, congratulations out to uh, Herb Nation Radio. Um, mm-hmm. Our good friend Nick Mutton, who uh, has a show over on there. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, sorry, I saw something pop up in the post. Uh, our good friend mm-hmm. Nick has a show over there, uh, Nick Mutton Show. Uh, those guys were uh, picked as Editor's Choice. Uh, which is which is pretty awesome. I'm sure. Yeah. <clears throat> if you guys haven't heard uh, Hurt Nation Radio, um, you should definitely go check it out. Ben Russo's on there. Uh, now they got uh, the Venom interviews, which I find quite fascinating, and uh, I can't <laughs> wait till that DVD comes out. That should be uh, should be pretty cool. Um, just uh, uh, Josh Beatty, um Who else? Um, I think that's it. I don't know. I can't think of anybody else at the moment. <clears throat> but um yeah, it's a cool cool thing. So I don't know. Darren's <laughs> too busy uh posting over in the group page to get yeah, so many to call in. We're,
2: we're gonna, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he forgot to call in and do the show. So apparently yeah. he's having far too much fun doing that. But um yeah. We're going to have to post all the pictures that he threw up onto the chat, onto the uh, Morelia Python Radio Facebook page, just so everybody can see, because he has pretty much of uh, the progression of these guys from like hatchlings all the way up to adults of how they look, and they look phenomenal. So I think someone compared them to mini Owen Pelly pythons, which is cool, and I can kind of see that. So either way. Which one? Definitely uh, the silver peppered. Someone said the silver peppered looked like mini Owen Pelly pythons. And I'm like, I can kind of see that, but I want both just to compare in front of me, living in my house for several years so that I can compare which one looks like the other. So, yeah, Yeah. I'll have to get the uh, Owen Pelly and the silver peppered over here to make that.
1: Even still, I
2: think I'd rather have... uh... The silver pepper. Yeah, I, I just want the O&Pelly because it's cool. See, it's like, it, it, I imagine it's like the next rough scale for me. <laughs> so oh, I can't have it. But they're I'm. really. Yeah, they're coming yeah, on they
1: in.
2: Um... What is? No, no, no. The uh, what were you saying? You kind of cut out there for a little bit.
1: Oh, you were saying about the uh the Owen pellies I was saying that um, mm. Owen Pellys are kind of uh they're uh large like a large children's pythons, I guess. You know, they kind of really? like, I don't know. Yeah, they kinda of like either. a mix between uh, I don't know, I've heard that that they're a mix between children's and uh, you know, like Marilia. That kind of thing. I wish <laughs> I know. I
2: wish you could, could see one, <laughs> it's like in front yeah. of us. <laughs> so
1: to uh, Gavin Bedford, and uh, he is. Uh, we still have to get together a date, but uh, he he gave the go ahead for uh, to come on the show in. Um, nice. Uh, in April, so uh, we'll hear mm-hmm. all about that. Um, you know, April. you know how much I love hearing those uh, trips in the outback and. Uh, how the project started and the history. You know, the most the thing that I like most about um, like doing podcasts and stuff about reptiles <clears throat> is the history. You know, mm-hmm. uh, GTP Keeper Radio. I got shut down quick now, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, we're not they stumbling a, anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They did a show. Uh, they did a show a couple weeks ago, and they talked all about that uh, history of chondros and all that stuff. And, um, I don't know. It's just, once it's, it's there, it's, you know, it's archived now. And, uh, as long as the podcast is there, the information's there for people to go back and, and reference and, you know, you never know what's going to happen. The stories might get lost. People get out of the, out of the industry and, you know, they, they don't uh you know, write stuff down and, you know, Maybe right. even years from now, certain people may die, and all that kind of stuff, and you know, stories get lost that way. So yeah. it's it's really cool to hear people share about share stories like that. So um, why we wait for uh, for him to come on? Uh, how was
2: Hamburg? Hamburg was good. It was fun. Uh, they moved me again. I wasn't back in my normal spot near near Matt and you know, it was one of those I come in and I go straight back to where my table normally is and somebody else is already set up on it and I'm like, uh oh, that's not right. And Matt said he came in and turned around and there were a bunch of ball pythons and boas set up behind him and he goes, Well, that's not Owen's table. That makes no sense So, um <laughs> they actually they actually had me set up next to uh Jason Balin, and uh, Howard Redding. So I was down. It was like a mini carpet row. You had uh, me, Jay. It, you had uh, Howard, and then Jason, and then me. And then Eric Kohler oh, was wow. down on the other side, about an aisle away. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it he, was kind of like. Bends a, there, cool. um, he vents there.
1: He vents he there pretty,
2: uh, pretty regularly now, right? Kohler, he it's on and off. Like uh, he will cause it's he's. He lives more towards Pittsburgh, so it's a little bit of a haul for him. So if he's doing anything else, he won't vend the show. But if he's got a free weekend and he feels like it, he'll come down and vend the show. So it is, you know, you're you're, you're kind of right where you can almost bet on him being there, but don't be surprised if he's not there is what I'm kind of saying. I mean, if Jason were to miss a show or my, I miss a show, uh, it's kind of like, uh, everybody kind of wonders where the hell we went. Um, it's, uh, but it, it was, it was a good show. It was packed. So packed. I didn't even get to walk around the show because there was no room to walk around the show. Uh, it was just that full. Um, apparently there were all of pythons at the show and I missed them. Um, there were enough heel monsters there to choke a horse. And various other animals really? I to see. So yeah, so I'm kind of glad I didn't get to walk around because I really shouldn't be spending the money I have on Gila monsters, even though I kind of want to. So uh, it's one of those things. Um, but I heard it was a great show. It was a lot of stuff going on. Um, I sold a few things. I know everybody else sold a few things. So it was just kind of one of those shows. It was it was a good show. The issue that comes is that the next show is April 30th. So, which is the same date okay. as the Southern Carpet Fest. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hold on.
1: Uh, You're going to have to entertain the folks for a minute. I'm going to have to help Darren here. So, uh.
2: all right, You help Darren. I'm going to tell them about the Northeast Carpet Fest that will announce the date at the end of the show. So, you go ahead and do that. Anyway, uh, we Eric and I did have this big grand meeting um, Friday night when he came to drop off some snakes for me to take to Hamburg. And we discussed a few things, one of which was setting the date for the Northeast Carpet Fest. Because we decided it was going to be held once again here in Birdsboro at my house uh, for this year. I know we were talking about sending it to Eric's house, but Eric didn't move like he was supposed to, like he promised me. So now um, we're going to hold it here again in Birdsboro, and we'll announce the date at the end of the show. Uh, but we're going to give you guys enough time to do all that and also keep your eyes peeled because we're going to have the T-shirts up for sale again, uh, and we're also going to be asking for donations for the auction as well, basically the same stuff as last time. If you have any questions about uh, hotel bookings or – if you need a place to stay or something like that, if you want to come up for Carpet Fest, contact me through Facebook um, if you're my friend. If not, you can email me uh, through my website, which is rogue-reptiles.com. Just put in the header, Carpet Fest. Um, you can also send any emails or questions to info at uh, We're going to try to be as accommodating as possible to everybody who wants to come out for Carpet Fest. The only thing we ask for you guys to do is you bring one dish, uh, food or drinks, something that and bring enough to share for everybody else. If you want to just bring your favorite six-pack of beer and your favorite dessert, awesome. Some people kind of go a little bit above and beyond. Uh, the important thing to remember is that you are responsible for getting whatever food you bring uh, edible. So if you bring a bunch of raw hamburger, you can't leave it. On the countertop and call it good. You gotta again go cook those hamburgers. So if you don't want to be sticking it in front of a grill, don't bring hamburger. That's pretty much how it is. And also, we're definitely gonna set up
3: who brings what.
2: Uh, you just gotta if you're coming to Carpet Fest and you want to know what to bring, just send an email to me. I'll tell you what's and what you're thinking about bringing. I'll tell you if it's good or not. Uh, this way we don't have 20 people bringing brownies. As much fun as that would be. We can't all have 20 different types of brownie for Carpet Fest, Um, so uh, definitely uh, avoid that. But just so everyone knows, like I said, we're going to announce the date at the end of the show, but we're looking more towards the end of May. So mark the calendars, get everything set there, uh, and uh, it'll be a really cool time. It was fun here last year. We didn't get too crazy. Um, I did still way more alcoholic beverages on my own carpet than I ever thought possible. So um, just so everybody knows, so it'll be a, it'll be a fun time. Um, I always enjoy Carpet Fest and we are kind of choosing May because it's a little bit warmer up here. It's nice weather to be outside. and We've been pretty good about getting uh, good weather when it comes to Carpet Fest. I think we had one year where it rained, uh, but of course we'll hold the auction uh, and it'll be really cool. I'm really kind of hoping uh, we hope everybody can uh, come out and make it. If you can't make it, uh, just support us by buying a Carpet Fest t-shirt. It's almost like people are collecting them now. Um, it's like they they get one even though they can't make it to Carpet Fest. Uh, we usually have to send a few t-shirts, a few Carpet Fest t-shirts um, in the mail to Australia because there's various people down there who ended up wanting a few of them and kind of hang them up, wear them, do whatever. and uh, So it'll be cool. So we'll definitely get on that one. So are we ready or no? Are you still leaving me all by myself? All by myself. Okay. So in that case, what I'll say but is I'm I usually say this. <laughs> Damn it. I'm back. Damn it. I was about to call free drinks at Tinley. Um. <laughs> so. Sure, we could do right. that. <laughs> of course.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, um. Yeah, we just had some technical difficulties. No worries, we'll get it going, and uh, yeah, we'll be set
2: uh, in no time flat. Mm-hmm. So falling um, back in or something like that. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a, we're having a problem with
2: Skype, but no worries. Yeah. No worries. Well, we we That's are trying to from Australia. The season? Yeah. Holy crap, dude! Like the past week. I've seen more locks of carpet pythons than I have all year. And I already have one clutch of eggs on the ground and one that's imminent. So it's like the season ain't freaking over at all. Um, I, I picked up a loan. Uh, I picked up a, a mail on loan from uh, Jason at Hamburg. It's a Red Tiger mail that he and I did a loan previously in about 2013. Uh, I don't know if you remember, I brought the baby tigers with me to ICAST and we split the yeah. clutch. So, mm-hmm. we did that I do remember them. We did, we we did that again because he has uh that tiger's like kid or one of its kids or relatives that's a very a brighter red tiger and that one's been breeding everything. So this boy didn't have anything to do. And so he sent him over here and I threw him to the same female that we bred in 2013 together. So I put them in, and I'm like, all right, well, we'll see what happens. An hour later, they were locked up, and I'm like, God damn it, <laughs> this is happening quickly. <laughs> so, wow. And it, it was, and it was like Monday. I came downstairs, and those two were locked up. My red tiger and my high con tiger were locked up. The uh, God, what else was locked? Um, oh, the uh, red tiger and the high con normal were locked up. The granite and the high con jag were kind of cuddling. So was the caramel jag and the caramel tiger. It's like all of a sudden it, 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 we're nowhere near done. The bretels are still are cuddling up, and the white lips are cuddling up. It's like you have to expect because now that we're in March, I've heard a lot of people who are like, "Oh, I shucked them together, and now we're hitting like April, May. I'm pulling them apart." I'm like, "No, I'm not going to stop till like July because." Apparently, things are breeding like crazy still. Like, it, it's almost like if we start getting eggs, I'm not going to get eggs until June, May-ish. It, it's like, it, it, it. do not count your animals out right now. If you've been pairing them since, like, I, I told Jason, like, i had been getting locks and I had eggs, and he started yelling at me about, like, when do you pair your animals? December. And I'm like, well, if you <laughs> were actually paired in December, he goes, when did you cool down? july i'm like no so it's you know it it, apparently some will go at different times so i would say if you're going out there and you're breeding definitely winter your pairs together because you never know who's going to breed then but then also you know don't be afraid to start introducing males now so if you have one male and you want to breed it to two females let him winter with one and then around february introduce him to the other because you might get him right now the uh, Carmel Jag already bred my caramel female and now he's breeding the caramel Tiger. And it's like those clutches are going to be a little staggered. They're going to be off by a couple months, but which I kind of like too, because then I'm not feeding 200 hatchlings all at the same time. I kind of got these, I can, I can get these guys established while these guys are hatching. So.
1: 200 hatchlings. Good
2: God.
3: I'm not going to have 200 hatch. <laughs> I'm not going to have 200
2: hatchlings. <laughs> If I have two hundred uh, halflings, I'm going to panic. <laughs> so, oh my god! But it's <laughs> it's like I got five eggs out of the red tiger clutch, and then Matt sends me pictures of my blood python over at his place that's the size of a house, and he goes, "I'm pretty sure your girl's a done deal." I'm like, "Crap! What do you do with baby blood pythons?" You know what? You leave them with Matt. You don't touch Samoan. Don't bring them here. You won't know <laughs> what to
3: do. Leave them with Matt. Yeah. It's like
2: you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna try. So. But that's another pair. Plus, uh, Jason told me Saturday that he has my uh, he- granite, and she's been curling up with his granite mail. So it's like, holy crap, maybe I did go a little too far with the, with the uh, presumed eggs for the year. So we'll see. How's your season? Um, <laughs> oh.
1: I got another issue, <laughs>
4: so... no oh,
2: crap. <laughs> See, if you did all this stuff, then I could talk, but uh, you're going to have to I, talk. Well, I don't do all this, I just, but I still haven't even had my computer fixed yet, so... um, Yeah, hang tight for a sec. All right, we'll hang tight for a little bit. And now I'll just say, because we're not even going to wait, Carpet Fest in the Northeast is May 21st. That's what we've decided, so mark your calendars, ask off from work, Call in sick May 21st. It'll be in Birdsboro, Pennsylvania. Come on up. Check it out. Um, if you haven't been to a carpet fest uh, and you live in the Northeast, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a carpet python person if you're just into Morelia in general or even pythons in general. It's a good time. Come out and hang out. Uh, it's always enjoyable. I think this is our fifth year in a row. I don't remember when we started this. Oh, it would probably be fifth because when we started the show. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> um, just uh, So if you're in the Northeast and you haven't made it out to one of these, please come. It's a good time. Uh, we definitely want to see everybody here. If you are in not in the Northeast, uh, you can still definitely come. Just let us know, and we'll try to get you all set up. Uh, or try to find the Carpet Fest that's closest to you. Right now, I'm pretty sure we have four or five of them right now, with the Northeast, the Southern, the... Uh, Southeast or whatever That they're calling down in Florida and then we have of course The Western Carpet Fest so If you're close to any one of those uh, Contact those people we usually Have the uh, links as well As the contact information for all the different Carpet Fests on uh, MoreliaPythonRadio.com And if you can make it out to any One of those go check it out It's a blast and you're going to want to come Back every year and uh, you definitely should. If you do want to offer something for the auction, just go ahead and contact myself or Eric at info at com, and tell us what you want to donate. Normally a lot of people do vouchers um, or merchandise like cages or panels or stacks or something like that. Um, we ask that nobody put up live animals. Um, you can put up animals as, the auction but you know don't bring them to carpet fest uh it, we kind of had it a few times where people could bring animals to carpet fest and it kind of seemed one of those things of a little sideways we don't want everybody worrying about what's going on with their animals so uh definitely uh if you can put something up uh don't bring it And it, we found the best way to get people a little bit more interested is to do a voucher because then they can decide for themselves what they want to get out of your breeding season or your collection uh as opposed to just offering up a pair of granites or a zebra or something like that. So uh, it's definitely very cool. Uh, We won't try to raise as much money money as we can. And, of course, we'll be donating the money to the entire proceeds uh, to USARC, which we do every year, which is very important, uh, because they defend our right to keep the animals that we love keeping, especially now since I don't know if anybody saw the news, but... (laughs) Apparently, they found a carpet python in the Everglades National Park. So, hopefully, this is not the beginning of some very bad times for the Morelia community. And this is kind of like just a one and done, and we're not going to have any issues like that. Um, since Eric is gone, I will say that if you are going to March Tinley, uh, he will open up a tab for you all to drink and be merry you just have to get his credit card information from him um and if you just call him and ask he'll just forward that right to you i mean he's very open out his credit card numbers as well as his social security number to so anybody who wants to just drink for free at a tinley park or anything like that just go ahead and call him or you can email him at info at really dot com, and he'll give you all that information and you guys can have a grand old time at tinley um apparently we're supposed to do something for the reptile report when it comes to Tinley uh, so if you guys see uh, Eric and me on these big screens or something at Tinley Park uh, don't get too shocked and don't get too surprised and uh, hopefully we look good <laughs> I don't know but hopefully we have the stuff with Eric fixed or we have the, the Darren stuff fixed it always seems like every time uh, we want to have somebody on that's Really Sorry, but your call cannot be completed. Interesting. <laughs> Alright, well, I don't know what the hell that was all about, but uh, I don't know if anybody heard that but me. But um, it seems like every time we have uh, or want to have somebody on that's really cool or really important to us, we have a issue with Skype or blog talk or something like that, which kind of just seems like the luck of the draw. So hopefully we can get this rolling in the right direction and get it started. And, of course, if you have any questions for myself, Eric, or Darren, go on to Facebook. And if you are not a member of the Morelia Python Radio chat group, you can send a message to myself or Eric. We'll add you to it. It's how you can live uh, during the – episode you can also ask questions as well as see pictures uh from the breeders as well as myself and eric about the topics of the show you can see it before and if you are a podcast listener uh you want to see the pictures that we're talking about just go on to python radio's facebook page you can check out all the stuff that we're talking about there we try to add that stuff on there usually after the episode for you podcasters if it is not there Uh, definitely drop a line to myself or Eric and we will add everything on as quickly as possible. Um, Even then, if you're still looking for pictures, you can find a bunch at the galleries at MoreliaPythonRadio.com, as well as the Morelia Pig of the Week. If you haven't joined the Morelia Pig of the Week, go ahead and do that. And it's a cool place you can show off your carpet pythons where a lot of people from around the world show off all their Morelia as well as a few other uh, really cool, python species the only rule is we ask uh well rules i'll say is uh, no for sale ads and don't be a dick Uh, if you can follow those two rules you're going to be fine uh if not you'll be banned (laughs) we can only give one or two warnings and then we kick you out so hopefully we got this rolling in the right direction um eric nope all right so we're just gonna keep hanging on here (laughs) Oh, gosh, I love these episodes that happen like this. Um, so that is what we're going to do. And if you guys have any ideas for uh, episodes, email us at com. You can also reach myself or Eric with any kind of questions or corrections. Like right now, you would like to correct the fact that it's just me talking to you. Nobody really wants to hear Owen talk. But here we that- are.
3: It's not so easy, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not so easy. You do it
2: no, by yourself, totally huh? No, it's easy. Shut up. Don't leave me
3: out
2: here like this. <laughs> 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 oh, we, man. Uh, we figure it out or what?
1: Nah, we're still trying to uh, get this together. I guess we should have did a test run. Every single person that we've had from Australia, what? I did a test Fuck run with. Bitch. And then... Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I think, he, he, yeah, it's, it's something to do with... Can I, it, trying, just, trying to
2: connect with Blog Talk? Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm call almost... In, great, I'm
1: almost yeah, I'm almost tempted yeah. to... Uh, oh, that was you any second. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Hopefully... I keep looking over there. I don't see him. And... Uh, Not in the queue yet. I should, I should be getting eggs any day now. Um, Really? That should be. uh, Yeah, my girls, uh, coastal girls do. Um, um, hold on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The suspense is killing me. Um, I assume Eric meant his MPen Coastal, where I don't know if everybody has seen that. Uh, go check out Eric's page at E B Morelia or E B morelia on Facebook.com. And if you're somebody like me who's totally into coastals, you've been, like, drooling over those animals since Eric bought them, and you're very, very happy to see that he's going to get eggs because now you're going to be parted from several hundred dollars of your money and you're going to get uh, some really cool coastals. If he decides to let them go, from what I've heard, if you want something from Eric, you pretty much have to go to his house and beat him with a stack of money until he finally gives up the animal that you want, especially if it's an IJ. Um, apparently, if, yeah, right? if you wanted to poison, yeah, if you want to poison Ivy IJ, that, that just You'd have to back up a truck with no, $100 bills. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, that's not happening. It's weird. Um, speaking of poison ivy, um, I guess mm. I'll talk about this. Till he says he's going to be on in a second. Uh, so okay. he's figuring something out. Um, so if all, in, all of a sudden I have to drop out again, you know, apologize. Um, So, yeah, uh, poison ivy. So what's happening with the babies with that clutch is, I don't know, dude. Every time they shed. Something different happens. Uh, What I am noticing is that, uh, and I have noticed that her first pairing was to a Jack, Mm. and um, Mm. that was uh, Kurt Finnegan, who owned Poison Ivy before I did. Uh, uh, She... She was bred with a uh, bullwinkle lineage jag, and if you look at um some of the offspring that that she produced, they get like this black ticking that comes in on the scale i can't it right. it almost looks like it's like what if you had a jungle you would consider it muddy um another mm-hmm. interesting thing about them is that the the uh he's there the head pat yes, okay. Oh, God. The head pattern is crazy, um, and there's like, it's uh, completely black. But we'll talk about that another time. I think right now we yeah. have... Just, oh, are you there? You don't care.
4: Ah, uh, can you hear you guys? Can you hear me? Yes! <laughs> ah,
1: there you are. Yes.
3: It's
4: technology, it's awesome when it works. God, do <laughs> you pissing me off. Sorry.
1: <laughs>
4: no worries.
1: No worries. How are you guys I'm going? I'm glad you're here.
2: Yes, good, good, good,
4: I was ready to throw my computer out the window.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> that's normal when especially when trying to contact us. Um, that's a normal feeling. So um well that's Gee. awesome that we finally that we grabbed you because I, I was tired of talking. So um, <laughs> I, I, no, nobody wants to hear me. So uh, mate,
4: I don't want to hear you, I'm sure. <laughs> no, it's a they really don't. <laughs> <laughs> they,
1: they really
2: don't. <laughs> um, oh, anyway, well, um, welcome to the show, Darren. And uh, let, let's just jump right into it. Um, what got you into reptiles?
4: Well, <clears throat> excuse me. This, it was kind of a, a couple things. I've always, I've always had a a passion for reptiles all my life, even since I was a little kid. Um, you know, I always wanted to chase the blue to- blue tongues around the, the yard and we used to do a, um, a, a bit of shooting when I was uh, growing up, back like when I was six or mm-hmm. seven and, and stuff. And um, my first close encounter, believe it or not, with the Red Belly, was, was with the Red Belly. Um, it was one my father actually shot, believe it or not. And, and it was it was an opp- opportunity for me to um to see it and get up close, and my fascination just grew. And it wasn't until um you know my, my parents had the old you know good snakes are dead snake kind of attitude um mm. growing up, but it wasn't until later I was, I was probably eleven or twelve and um kept pestering my parents about you know wanting a pet snake or a pet lizard or something like that. And um back then. There wasn't quite the the knowledge around um, there, was so certainly wasn't the social media we have nowadays. And um, Mm -hmm. so, dad was talking because he used to do a bit of shooting. Dad was talking to a friend that owned a a sports store near his petrol station, service station that he used to own. And um, the guy said, Oh, I've got a couple of snakes, you know, send him up and we can have a look. So, I was like, through the roof. I was like, Oh, so excited, you know, I can't wait. Let me go up and check these snakes out. So, I go up and he's Guys, he lived up above his sports store, and so up, up, up we go. And he goes, "Oh, I just come into my bedroom, like, oh yeah, what's going on here?" And uh, so anyway, going to his bedroom, he's got all these tanks set up, glass tanks all around the place, and and all that sort of stuff. And unbeknownst to me, you know, just pulls out this red belly. It was probably about, well, oh, maybe. Oh, it seemed like about twenty foot long at the time to me. It was it was enormous, but yeah, it was probably only a couple of feet, two or three, two or three foot long. And he goes, "Oh, here you go." And I kind of looked at him. and I said, oh, "Aren't they venomous?" And he goes, "Yeah, it's all right. Don't worry about it. You, you'll be fine." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So here I am sitting on his bed, free handling this red belly black snake. You know, I was, Oh, was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. To me, I was like young, naive, didn't really know the risks or you know the the potentials of what, what could go wrong if it did, but um. Yeah, it was just, it was very exciting to me. It was like this snake, and and um, I was up there for oh, probably three or four hours just, just talking about reptiles and, and things like that, and he goes, oh, you can have it if you want it. And I was like, oh, you serious? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, no worries. He said, you can have it. So anyway, Dad came and picked me up, and on the way back in the car, I was telling him how excited I was, and um, he goes, oh, he's going to give me this snake. And Dad's like, well, what sort of snake was it? I said, it was a red-bellied black snake far out, that was the last time I ever went to his house, <laughs> that was going <laughs> to kill him, I think, he's just like, you what, you what, because, you know, here I am, tell him how i got his red, but I didn't say, I just said, oh, you handling his snake, and was crawling all over my arms, and all this sort of stuff, and around my neck, and you know, it was, it was unreal, and he goes, well, what was it, yeah, so, that was kind of the um, end of any, keeping any reptiles when I was younger, and um oh, it wasn't, like it wasn't until I actually um, I bought my house back in, um, I think it was, 97, I think it was. And I mentioned my I said, I've always wanted, you have know, always loved reptiles, always had a passion for reptiles and the ocean and sharks and, and things like that. And um, I said, oh, I really wanted a snake. She said, oh, see, a snake can be pretty cool. So three weeks later, I had my first snake. And within 12 months, I had like 30 reptiles or something like that. And it's <laughs> just gone nuts from there on, you know, just a passion that never ends.
2: <laughs> that sounds about right. Where you get one and if they're like potato chips. You can never just have one. So
3: Yeah. Yeah. What, type, it,
2: so. of, what, what type of collection Sorry. are you working with now? I mean like how how big's your collection and what what do you got in it?
4: Um it's certainly growing, um, compared to what it was. I did a count the other week, actually, and topped just over 460 um, pythons at the moment. I used to used to keep a lot of lizards and, and things like that, but just the, the maintenance and, and upkeep on them was just too much for me, trying to trying to do everything. So mm-hmm. pretty much Morelia is probably the, the main focus of what I work with at the moment. I do have some anteresia and other bits and pieces, but it's... You know, like, there's like a very below, the McCarthy, McDowell, Eye, um, Imbricada, you know, and so on and so forth, like Scrubbies, you name it. Um plus I keep the three types of Anteresia. I don't keep the Pathensis from the WA from pygmies. Um I've kind of looked at keeping those guys, um, but I don't know, I'll find the little bit too much work in, with the hatchets mm. and things like that. They are pretty cool. Um, they'll, they're certainly something I'll, I'll keep down the track in the future, just for the sake of wanting to breed them, to have a go and, and work with new, new animals. So um, I try try to work with uh, pythons and snakes that I haven't worked or bred with uh, in in the past. Mm. So they're kind of on the list. Maybe I'm just I'm not ready for them yet. Same with um, um, condros I've not, mm. I've not had or, or kept Condros It's usually been Usually been a cases I haven't been able To afford to buy any But <laughs> they're, they're, they're on the track One day um, Same sort of deal I keep Ollie's um, Water Pythons I've just Got myself some Or getting Some An adult pair Of e- Exantic Blackheads uh, Plus there's oh, some Romers wow. So Yeah so it's a pretty, pretty big collection. It, it kind of really took off with the Pepper Project when it when it first started. Mm-hmm. I kind of realized the, the potential and and everything there. So I just started adding <laughs> more yeah. and more snakes. Reluctant to sell anything, <laughs> I'm a bit of a hoarder.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: you, you, you and Eric, yeah, you and Eric, they're <laughs>
2: both they, they never sell.
4: So. Yeah, yeah. when you... Well. Sorry, go on.
2: I was going to say, dude, you're
1: still holding on to all, these, all the silver peppers, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, It really.
4: Yeah. It was a slow project to start off, so it's it's kind of only really, really come to fruition, I, I, I guess, last season. Or season just passed for right. us over here. Jeez. You know, but yeah, wow. it's, it's. I mean, this is the ninth year. So. So.
1: Out of all the uh, out of all the stuff that you work with, what's the what's
3: your favorite? Is it yes. silver peppers? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess uh, I couldn't really say no, could I? <laughs> yeah, well, you could. Well, you could. Shocking. Yeah, I, you could.
4: In, in terms of uh, what I enjoy working with, um, yeah, I, yeah, I really enjoy the, the silver peppers. Not knowing. Uh, what potential lies within a new mutation, uh, as such? But there's other things in my collection I enjoy as well, which probably sounds weird, but the scrubbies. I, I-, I love scrubbies, oh. and I-, I had a um, a made them myself. Bought a pair off for-, uh, for another mutual friend, just uh, 12 years ago, I think it was. Um, I went over to the that weird place on the western side of Australia um, on a fishing trip. And while I was away one of my thermostats crapped itself and um I oh. get a phone call from my wife saying, Oh, something stinks in the reptile room And like, well no, I no. for two weeks and long long story short, the, the thermostat had jammed on, the enclosures were forty three degrees, one scrubby was dead and the other one was basically stuffed from, from heat stroke or heat stress and um she died six months later. So my friend that bought the pair that I have now Justin, he um he's had them for 10 years he's had, he he's bred them twice um and i've always said to him if you ever breed them let me know i, I really love and really miss the scrubbies are actually quite a uh quite a, a pleasant animal to work with they're, they're big they know it um have kind of got a little bit of attitude but the female i could do it ever i wanted to she was one of the most docile snakes that I had, you could put your hand in, pull her out no problems whatsoever she was, well two years old when they died, she was about 8 foot um, the male was a bit bigger, he was about 10 and he was the same, once he came out he was, he was fine, you could freehandle and do whatever you want and were quite pleasant so because of that nature that the, the scrubbies had I really wanted that particular lineage in, in hope that they were the same so um, when Justin, my friend, could no longer Look after them due to work and things like that. He offered offered them to me to to care for them. So I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> 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 <scrubs>. Of course. <laughs> so they're a bit right. bigger now. They females. They're not. They're big scrubbies. They're probably not the biggest, but the female. She's around sixteen odd kilos, and the male's about thirteen something like that. So, be about fourteen, fifteen foot, I guess. So, they're a nice size.
1: Not yeah, no, not all. now <laughs> over here, over here in the states and even over in Europe, um, like scrubs are one of the more difficult species to breed. Um, is that the same in Australia, or
4: are they
1: sort
3: of like, uh, you know? Yeah,
4: you know, I, I, I reckon. I, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think they are. Uh, I, it's a it's a hard one to pick. There's not a lot of scrubbies over here in captivity. They're around, like are People do have them. Uh but right. actually active bread ones are, are quite hard to find. You find them around or you, you occasionally, <laughs> you'll occasionally find someone that in cans <laughs> that happens to have a clutch of scrubbies and you always scratch anything. Oh, did you breed those guys and or <laughs> did you have to find a grab a <laughs> or something like that? But they they do. Um I had my, I had a bit of a crack at mine last year, played around the first year I had them, I didn't really get them time in to settle. Uh, in, uh, and I've got them got them for cooling, so I think the fe- they're in good healthy condition, but I think the female needed a little bit more um, weight on them. So I put an extra few kilos on her uh, coming to last season. And okay. I, I had some friends, ultrasound the female, and they go, oh, no, the, you know, she's great. You can see the shape of the follicles was different, and it's developing eggs. I'm like, oh, okay. But I think what we actually saw, they actually saw, because I have no idea what I was looking at. I'm looking at this screen on an ultrasound machine going, yeah, whatever. And (laughs) um, I I actually think it was what we actually saw was possible follicle development, because there was a distinct swelling in her. I'd had the mailing with her as well. And Uh when we kind of... When uh, Pete and Cole came down and we played around with her... um, the swelling was there, and that's what I think we saw. I actually think we saw the, the the follicle stage. So I'd taken the male out when really I should have been chucking the male in. So I think I've missed it for that for that reason. But they're certainly something I'd I'd love to breed, and I there's not a lot of people out here that breed them. They are, they are around. They they do they do turn up occasionally. But I know right. I had a lot of people messaging me want looking looking for scrubbies like catty bred scrubbies. So. To me, that's just, it's just—it's not something I would want to breed every year. It's to me, it's just like I mentioned before. It's just ticking that other species off that list of—I've not bred them. I want to breed them. I want to understand how they work and get the temperatures and enclosures right and, and get everything set up and produce a clutch. Once I've kind of produced that clutch, you know, I, I know what that's I'm it. doing, and it's just another another thing to learn within the hobby to. to you know, keep the enjoyment going. The more you can learn. I mean, I've been doing it for a while, and I, I still learn from people every day. So they're just one of those things I want to want to tick off the bucket list. I suppose. Cool
1: <laughs> yeah, app. I know, I know the feeling. Yeah. Um, do you do anything? I'm just curious. I know uh, this is kind of off topic, but not many people we talk to have experience with King War and I. Um, Do you? Is there anything special you have to do for them, Uh, as opposed to, say, like a carpet, Um, as far as temperature or anything like that? Do you keep them cooler, you know?
4: No, I treat treat them the same as anything from that that top end of Australia. So, Darwin's, you know, jungles, all that sort of stuff from up there, and... um, obviously a more suitable size enclosure for them naturally, but I I called them the same as what I did with everything else. Of course, it was my first time, and you you can read... I'm a big believer you can can read a hundred different ways to breed the same animals, because it depends on where you live in, if you live up north, whether you live down south, if you're in a glass enclosure, a timber enclosure, if your house is warm, you're cold. So there's there's all these variants that come into play. So whenever I go to breed something, I'll I'll do whatever research I need to find out what temperatures people call cool them and, and there's not a lot out here of information um on that. There there's a few articles around, uh but some of it's quite old and so anyway I I tend to do one particular set routine for the first year so I'll cool it to a certain temperature I'll cool it at a certain point in time I'll let the temperatures get down so far and then after a few months I'll start to warm them back and I'll do trial introductions through that period and and even into the warmer months to see Um, this year I actually saw the first time what appeared to be the male uh, spurring the female, the tails were quite twisted and and quite close together I couldn't see a visual uh, lock up as such so to me, it's I've obviously done something right. I've had successes. I've had the female develop follicles. I've had the male interested in the female. Maybe I just took them apart too soon. So next season right. coming into right. it, I'll, or this season coming into it, I'll carry on and, and do the same thing, set the same temperatures and follow the same routine. But this time, I'll look at where I cut them short and I'll extend that out and introduce him a little sure. bit later than what I did before and try for from then. Yeah. So, and fingers crossed some
3: they
1: they, they
4: are yeah. impressive. Yeah.
3: So,
1: cool. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: all right, so, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the silver peppers. Um, I guess, maybe give us the backstory on, on these guys. Uh, you know, how, you know, what, what was the, uh, the parents, you know, uh, just any any information on how you stumbled upon these beautiful
4: snakes? Yep. Well, i am just, supposed to got a bit of time, so I can go the long version. I, I guess in essence, so I kind of started back in in two thousand and six. I bred some uh, some diamonds diamonds that year, and a friend mm-hmm. of mine had a had a pair of <coughs> wild type Murray's, and she wanted a diamond python to put out in her aviary she said I'm sick of it was a lot she only had the two snakes she didn't want them anymore she just wanted something she could put an Avery outside and something you can live in obviously it's natural habitat and she can just feed it and it can live a happy life out there so I did a swap for these two Murrays for a diamond python I thought I got a great deal they were 18 months old or a bit over 18 months old at the time a little bit small but that's alright they were quite nice animals so I got them picked them up, got them fed the life out of them over the next next few months. And I was actually going away on a um a, a motorbike ride with some friends. We do a trip down into the snowy region um every year for a fundraiser for cancer. So I, I got up in the morning and this Murray darling's laying eggs in a drawer. So I <laughs> called a maid over. Called a mate over and said, Oh look, when you get home, can you go and grab these eggs? I was not thinking. I was just Murray Darling's. It wasn't anything special in the clutch. And um, so, if, if, when was that? I'll tell you the date, actually. That was um, 9th of the 10th. Um, she laid 14 eggs. So it was actually <clears> interesting. She had a... It was quite a large um, clutch weight-to-body ratio as well. It was 44%. So clutch weight was 468 grams, and she weighed... Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was 1,069 grams after laying. So as you, as you can tell by the weight, she wasn't a big girl at all, one and a half kilos. So so 55 days after, um, they started to pip, and I went through and cut the eggs as I do and opened one up and here was this funny looking pattern. I thought, am I seeing things or <laughs> what's going on in that egg? The
3: and, yeah,
4: wait, waited until they all, they all hatched out and um, sure enough there was, there was three of these I actually referred to them as granites at first I went oh this a mm-hmm. granite looking pattern and this was back in 2007 so understanding genetics and everything back then to me was completely new it was something I didn't really understand I mean albino darwins hadn't been out for long I was still coming to grips on understanding a simple recessive trait let alone anything else But I knew there was something different. There was, um, going back a couple of years before that, (coughs) there was a a guy who produced what he called a ghost Darwin. And it was a really funky looking Darwin. And it boiled down, nothing ever produced from it, it boiled down to an incubation thing. So my first thoughts when this hatched out was, oh, it's probably just incubation. Didn't really think any of it other than it was cool. I knew it could potentially be a, a new new mutation as such, and I put it up on um, Aussie Python's one of the websites out here, going back when they hatched out, there's a UMD morph and took some photos and put it up. But it didn't really sink in for, well, probably another two years before I actually realised what the potential was of of what had hatched. And then I started looking at the ratios and, and everything else, and that's when I because out of the out of the thirteen hatched, and I hatched three peppers as such, and all, all the rest were wild type. Out of the out of the three that hatched, um, one had a defect with the epiglottis and couldn't tongue flicker at all. No matter what you oh. did, it didn't work. So I actually force fed that animal over oh, probably eight or nine months uh, in in a hope that something else may trigger it. It may get to a point that it can. It could sense food without actually using its tongue, as such. But it just never went. And the reality of: Do you want to? A, you know, will it breed if it gets to size? Do you want to force feed something for its entire life? Is it really a healthy way to live, or are you going to add if it does breed? Are you going to add weaker genetics into into the strain? And mm. it was kind of a hard decision, but I think I did. What I thought was best for the animal, so I had it. I had it euthanized, as sad as it was. I think that was the best thing to do for a yeah. defective animal, I guess, in essence. So, so I lost that one. Um, but then, out of the other two, I, I went to an expo um, in what year was it? A couple of years after. Was it, yeah, I think it might have been the year after. Anyway, yeah. uh, they were probably yearlings, eighteen-month-old animals when the show was, and that was in May, which is. Beginning of our winter out here, basically. When I came back from the show, I was, you know, in in the midst of battling depression at these days, and I wasn't exactly mentally <laughs> in the right place. And okay. I, I came back and I put my animals, put my animals back away, and obviously, I didn't put one. I'm not sure if I didn't put it away correctly in the drawer or whether it had gotten out or what. But I came home one day. And the jaw was open, and the, the one of the peppers was gone, and oh, God. I, was, I was, I was being in the the bad place that I was in the very dark hole. It was part of me was like, oh well, you know, stiff shit, and sorry. And um, the other part was quite gutted. Uh, so it turned up about three months later. So it, it had survived the mid, the whole of winter, basically in Sydney. And when I found it, it was had a massive retained shed, it, a serious RI infection. It was it was a mess. So I actually took it to a friend, Michelle. Uh, she's a herp vet, and we gave it some injections, gave it fluids, did whatever. But it was that bad. She actually kept it um, in the veterinary surgery to to treat it every day, but eventually it lost its battle, and died. So that kind of left me with with one one. And it was a female. <laughs> so uh, so whenever, you, whenever you want these projects, you always want like a male so you can outcross it over five females or something or other. But yeah, so I was left with one which wouldn't eat. <laughs> so, oh
3: my
4: God. Uh, So it was fair. like, oh, <laughs> it, here we, yeah, here we go. So it, it, it just, it would eat, but it might eat one, it would eat. I suppose if you fed something a large rat, if it was capable of eating a large rat, it would eat a small rat in comparison to size instead of a large rat. So if you offered it anything that it should be able to eat, it wouldn't eat it. You had to offer it something small. And then if it ate, it would only eat maybe once a month, once every six weeks. You could offer it every week, and it would just turn its nose up. Didn't want to know about it. I did, I oh, did I contemplate force-feeding it every now and then, but the thing was it ate, and I didn't know if, if actually force-feeding it or something would... Possibly create more of a problem, so i just i just persisted persisted with it over over the years and um yeah, it was like five years of age, it weighed like three hundred grams you it was it was tiny it was really really annoying but um yeah so so that was um when did when did she finally came out of cooling in um I think it was Two thousand and twelve or something rather it was it mm-hmm. um two thousand eleven she came out and started to feed, so that was after winter, so probably oh, maybe august September, she decided to feed and by by the time the next cooling breeding season came round, she went from three hundred grams to one point eight kilos, <laughs> so. <laughs> It's like you want to eat, you want to eat. Well, you can eat. I'll make up for all your lost time. So yeah, I absolutely. here <laughs> as much food as you want. God. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But just going back to the original, um, original pairing with the, the two wild wild type Murray's. The following season, I thought, you do it. I've, I've got this weird thing out of the egg after the first season. I thought next year, I'll have another go. At Reproducing from the same pairing again, because everyone says, "What happened? Why didn't you bring them again?" And that year that I produced, them, I actually put them in a show at, at Castle Hill, or oh, uh, one of our local shows, um, and had them had the, the mum and the dad on display and a couple of the peppers on display just to, to show people. I thought it was a bit different. It was on. A, it was a show that ran over for three days, and the show was in May, I think, which is basically. Start of our winter, um, so it's quite cool. When I took them home and cooled them and paired them up and everything else, they mated six or seven times, so ev- everything was going right. But she never produced eggs. I'm like, oh, scratching my head. so I was cursing myself and kicking myself in the bum, thinking oh, I've put him in the show, and it's obviously upset her. He he was fine. He's a male. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> he's a male, it's not, he's not worried, <laughs> he's happy. But, he's going to be fine no right. matter what. Yeah, that's that's right. So I put the put the female on the show, I when I, went, I took her home, I thought, oh, I've obviously upset her, she's been out in display, she hasn't been happy, she's been in the bag to and from, and, and everyone likes to do want to breed. I, I didn't really think anything of it. And then the following season coming into it, I was going through doing all my checking and she was feeding, doing everything spot on and coming through into the into the breeding season making sure they got a nice weight condition and, and all that sort of stuff on them and I noticed a little bit of puffiness in the throat and I looked down and thought, he's oh, got to be shitting me, not, a, not an RI. I missed out last oh, year I'm God. not, not going to miss out this year again so I took her out and I was having a look and there was, there was no Fluid build up in the mouth, excess fluid in the mouth, which you would expect with an R.I. And when I started handling her, I noticed a series of blisters, probably uh, eight or ten blisters randomly on her body down the side. And I thought, that's not good. I've not seen this before. So once again, I Mm -hmm. rang a vet friend of mine and she came around and had a look and we lanced one open and all this red Fluid came out. Not blood, but like watered-down blood, I suppose you could call it. Came out and chilled out. She goes, oh, she said, that doesn't look good. I said, why is that? She goes, oh, I'll take some tests and I'll let you know. She went away, sent off the tests, come back, and she said, oh, it's got cancer. <laughs> what? You've got to be joking. Oh, Sorry, oh my God.
2: It, it's,
4: <laughs> and it's, it's in the blood. So... She took her. There's nothing you can do, and it was. You could see the when we once we knew that you could start to see the when you actually uh, say felt down the body, you could feel lumps in her. And um, anyway, she took her and euthanized her, um, cut her open. She had 13 tumours inside her. But the interesting thing was, she said the biggest tumour was <laughs> on the over, the overduck. and she reckons that that might have been the one that started the whole lot and the reason why she couldn't breed the previous year or obviously this coming one so ah. so it's been, So basically the you, you've produced one animal and luckily I've got that clutch in essence if you go back in hindsight it was like one clutch and then the female was obviously possibly even had a tumour at that first original time or wasn't well at that particular time but yeah so she had the, had the one clutch and then was complete null and void after that so potentially the the mutation may never have read its head out <laughs> if it wasn't for that one glass.
2: Wow. The cards so, are definitely stacked a- against you. Like everything you just told us is like, oh yeah, and that could have been the end of the silver peppers. So,
4: like any moment they yeah. never could have
2: occurred. Wow.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what was it's, it's been that's what people go. Oh, you you must have plenty. I'm like, no, no, you have no. <laughs> <laughs> No idea what I've gone through to get to here. It's like people say, oh, you've got one. You know, you should have about 500 now, shouldn't you? I'm like, no, I've got a handful. Like, it's really. Yeah, it's, it's one of those projects. But like they say, they reckon the hardest projects to work with are normally the most rewarding. So it's. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen any rewards from it at all yet, but hopefully that'll come. <laughs> so. I but, mean. Um,
1: wh- wh- I was gonna say when you cut open that egg, or when the egg pipped out, or whatever. I mean, I know you said like, "Oh, what's that one?" But when it came out, we were you, we were you just—I mean, what was your reaction? Were you just like blown away? Like, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm talking about when you proved it out, when you proved, well, like when you bred it again, and then you finally got that clutch, and then oh, you saw that it yeah, wasn't a yeah. fluke. You know what I mean? Yeah, that
4: yeah, when I, when I finally. That was um, 2012. So from hatching in 2007, it was 2012 before I finally got to a point that I could pair them up and reproduce the trait. So once once I reproduced that trait, it was like, and the worst part was I think I I think she laid um, 13 eggs and I hatched yes. um, hatched eight. So out of the eight, it was like. You know, it's, it's kind of... You think if you look at in the incubator three times a day or look at the eggs three times a day, <laughs> and they hatch faster. Like, just like, have they hatched yet? Have they hatched yet? No, it's another 30 days yet, Daz. Slow down. <laughs> Are they there? It yeah. been, Should I pip them now? Like, for a week, yeah. <laughs> So it was it. You know, I thought maybe I'll bump the temperatures up and cook them faster. That'll get them ready sooner. But, yeah. So it was. it was... Uh a very trying time plus I had a lot of other things going on in my life at that time it was it was a kind of getting out of the whole suicidal depression thing and trying to get my life back on track and all that I, I started a business and was trying to do a million things at once and um it was like going from the bowels of hell mentally to the top of the world, you know, when <laughs> right. I picked that egg and I saw that first pepper in that egg, I was like, I was sure I was doing a little hop, skip, and a dance around the room going, woohoo! <laughs>
3: yeah. <I> was, like, <laughs> well, was it the first one? All by one? myself, like, and now I'm you,
4: of course. <laughs>
1: do you remember how many eggs you had to go through till you saw the, the pepper? Was it the first one you got? And no, you, it,
4: was, you it was the first egg. There was, there was a head poking out. I looked at, and I saw, the first thing I saw was black eyes. I went, black oh, eyes, quick, where's the autopsy? kit? got out and got the tweezers and the scissors and cut the egg. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh. And off a little dance and then, um, yeah, I cut the rest of the clutch open and had uh, six peppers and two heads in it. So I was like, yeah, ran around on a big high for the rest of the day, you know, set them up in there. Little tubs, and I think I looked at them 486 times each that day. Just going back going, It's real. It's real. I'm not dreaming. It's real. They're in. They're in the container. I guess So yeah, it was. It was, wow. it was very exciting. It was very exciting and, and something I won't forget. And you know, if anybody has that opportunity to, you know, well, luck on their side, I suppose, for that sort of thing, they'll know exactly what I mean. It's. Uh, it was a very exciting day for me to know that. A you proved it, and the other side was. Secured the line i guess so so going away yeah. from you know the original father and the daughter, and that was that was the lineage so to have that extra babies there it was it was yeah it was a uh, it was a very happy day indeed to to see that <laughs> so yeah very sad yeah so, so I it goes.
1: I was going to say, like, so, I mean, we know how the morph the thing works here in, in the U.S., but, I mean, how does it work down there in Australia? Do you have to, like, sort of keep that under wraps, or is it, like, something you've run out and tell everybody? Do people get, you know, <laughs> I guess jealous, for lack of a better word? Uh,
4: well... <laughs> It's an in- interesting topic, actually, isn't it, really? I mean, it may seem like it might <laughs> but, but it's it's not so simple when you look at it. And I know some people have some projects that they keep very, very quiet. When, going back to when I originally hatched this, like, like I said, I genetics and that was fairly new to me. I really didn't understand. I mean, all ought to start somewhere, and when I first produced that first pepper out of the egg was when I, I kind of started to realize that I need to understand what's going on here. But money has nothing to do with it. It was the ability that I was given an opportunity to work with something new. So when I hatched it out, um, I forgot what I was bloody saying, yeah? <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I'm saying going. about how, like, the, the,
1: you oh, know, the like when you
4: prove out a morph, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so. You know, having that out, I didn't know. So, therefore, I went on to, like I said, APS, which was the, the website back in the day, and, and put something up, not realising quite what I had, whereas, in hindsight, maybe I would have waited longer um, right. and, and waited till I secured the project, I suppose, a little bit more and, and had some definite groundwork, like maybe waited till I produced a second clutch and, and actually produced some animals. There is... is quite um, a theft for for animals over here. It's pretty bad. Um, you know, and I was a recipient of those low-lying scumbags and, and broke in and, and stole a whole heap of my animals, um, in, including one of my peppers, um, oh. after it hatched. So, so, you know, wow. I kind of look at hindsight and think, should I have just kept my mouth shut and not said anything and no one would have been any of the wiser until I was ready to release it? But then... You know, I, I, I do what I do because it's the passion. I love it. I love to share. I love to talk to people and, you know, ask ask anyone that knows me. It's getting me to shut up. It's half the problem. You know, I love, I love to talk about reptiles. So, so right. you know, when when I've got something to share, I, I like to talk to people and, you know, I learn something, they learn something. It's it's all about caring and sharing, you know. And and um, but when you, I guess show a lot of people these things you've, there's there's the scumbags you know, the, the gutless wonders that think what you've got they own and um, you know, so so after having this high of producing these animals you know, not even a year after you know, someone broke in and went through and knocked off 19, 19 animals you know, including a pepper and hets and the striped black and whites which we'll, we'll touch on later and a whole lot of other stuff and you know, I've been at been around for a while and knew a lot of people and they just kept poking their heads up, you know, and I was on the hunt for these animals constantly and um it was kept pretty quiet. Um originally it was in, in October, um not last year, year before. Um no the year before. We were in there, so two thousand thirteen. So and they they took quite some valuable animals. It was definitely a shopping list and, you know, probably one of the smugglers out here and there was too many coincidences. I don't really want to go through it all, but there was there were so many coincidences yeah. and fingers pointed at people and and all sorts of stuff. But you know, it's quite anybody that's been broken into, whether it's reptiles or or just your house. It's just a something a violation. And and having gone through you know two or three years of depression, I still battle depression now. And but you know, I, I was suicidal. I was you know, basically went to a cliff to jump off and the only thing that stopped me from walking off the edge was my kids, you know, I started to think about them and I turned around and decided to, to change my life and you know, so it's right. it's a hard to deal when you you kinda of get back on your feet, everything's going right, you prove out these peppers and then some asshole, you know, or assholes decide to take what you've worked so long and after five years of stressing that <laughs> will this female sure. ever eat you know, and, and finally right. and um yeah, so it was it was pretty gut wrenching, and it 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 tore me back to a place I didn't want to be. To the point that I was ready to to just pack it all in again. You know, I was I was done. I was dusted, and um, yeah. it was actually my wife. <clears throat> uh, sorry, gets a bit emotional, but um, it was actually my wife that saved my life. You know, right? Yeah. Sorry. Right. So yeah, you know, you kind of get back over it and go forward.
2: No. Oh. Yeah, I mean. that sucks. That's horrible, dude.
4: But. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, anyway. Get off the negatives. Let's go forward. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, you know, she kind of said, like, don't let it breach you." you know. Pick up your bat and ball yeah. and go back and play it, you know. <laughs> prove it, work <laughs> with it. Yeah, well, I know what I wanted to do with the bat, and I know what I wanted to do with his balls. But anyway, <laughs> that's a different story. Yeah,
1: there you go.
3: Uh, so,
1: Yeah. I I I got a question for you. So, so now that you have like adult animals, um like what what is the uh, do they have uh different looks? I mean, cuz like really inlands are pretty, well, at least here in the states, they're pretty consistent looking, <laughs> except some will be a little bit redder and some will be you know have that more uh gray blue uh, have you noticed any have you done any breeding to you know bring that red out uh, are you, you is that a is direction that you're going to go uh, what do they look like there, as adults as a, you know how do they progress
4: there is uh, i'm just gonna i'll just i'll put up a photo sorry i'm just gonna dump a photo put on the npr check there um the oh. interesting thing, the, ori- the original the original Dad, which I just put up in our NPR chat, actually has quite a bit of the reds in it. Um Yeah. He's actually very, very similar and I had this discussion oh, wow. with someone, um very similar to the um um Gemin Rangers carpets, which is kind of borderline South Australia, West Australia re- region. And some of those some of those reds Actually, come through into into some of the silver peppers. There, there is quite a distinction um, mm-hmm. between the peppers. There's some you, you saw ones I posted before. You, they get this, I guess, ghosting phase, and it's it's very hard to capture and very hard to show people. One of the, one of the few people that saw it firsthand was a um, um, mate Peter Birch. He, he, He come down, we're looking at some stuff, and I open up my drawer and said, oh, look at this. And I went, oh, this is a ghosting face. Check this out. And you kind of touch the snake, and it's like the melanin that sits along the the dorsal on the back of the snake. It's like you touch it, and it just pops a little bubble, and all that melanin just starts to roll down the the sides of the snakes and and darkens up in the sides. You can have the same snake, and they can look totally different at at different times. It's very, very cool. I guess it's a bit like Ruffies. They kind of go on a... At night time, I can go into a pastel pale kind of kind of coloration and like that photo I put up before. So you do. So I've, I've got some that have very minimal melanin. Uh, I mean, you can call them hypermelanistic. They, they lack heaps. But then I have others, and I'll see if I can find a photo, um, that have a lot more. So the patterning right. all seems to be the same in essence. They all have this dorsal stripe down the back, um, a third of the body, but mm-hmm. some some contain um, more melanin than others. So, gotcha. not that it's a lot. The slides are generally actually here's the um, here's, the, I think that was the oh. more mm-hmm. So it all has the same the same pattern, the same dorsal stripe, and everything else. Just some has more melanin. You see how much blacker that one is. In comparison to some of the hatches I put up, which are different. Yeah. So it's quite a lot more contrast than than the other. You know,
1: you know what's wild is like those orange red scales that are just like just like peppered throughout it, for lack of a better word, I guess. But uh, like especially around the neck and on that and the head there, wow, that's wild.
2: That's
4: a cool looking animal. Oh man. (laughs) Some, some but, show the, the red. It's kind of funny the, the it's almost individual scales of reds. You know, you just yeah. get these random little yeah. specklings of, of red here and there. Um, yeah, I never
1: noticed that before. Like, it I saw it, yeah, I saw it, like, in the tail before I've seen that. But I've never looked, I guess I've never looked close enough to where you actually see, like, right on that blue-gray, you see just these, like, little orange scales that out
3: right yep.
1: there. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah.
4: awesome
3: so you, that's, that's what's
4: so cool about, like the potential, you know, oh, geez, who knows? <laughs> yeah, you can <laughs> yeah. totally play with it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, generally for us out here, you go, oh, Zebra, you know, what can we do with the Zebra? It's like, oh, let's go to the U.S. And, and I, I chat to, to Todd Dyer quite a bit on Facebook. He's a good bloke. And we have a good old, the, the Bogan, from, Bogan brother from over in the U.S., and um, <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have a bit of a, a chat and I'll say, oh, have you done this with a zebra? Have you done that with a zebra? Or what have you done with this or a, a jag? And so most of that stuff generally has been done before. So if you want yeah, to know, right. oh, what does what a, for example, does a zebra look like with a jag? What does a jag look like? You can, you can see what it looks like. When you take something that, well, doesn't exist anyway, no one else has got it, what happens when you add a zebra jag or a, a zeb gene or a jag gene or an xanthic gene or anything else? What happens? And that's kind of the, the fun part and the excitement of it. It's, it's not knowing, you know, what will happen when you start introducing a multitude of other genes in, into the pattern and obviously the, the coloration. So it's um, an exciting road at the moment.
2: Yeah, it, it, is that the next step? Is to add jag to the silver peppered? Because you're gonna break my heart right now if you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't
1: listen to him. Don't listen to him.
2: It, it's shattering. It's shattering right now. You're, you're you know, hold on. You're, Enough. <laughs>
1: you're, you're a lot like me. Like you have your, you have your projects that are pure, and then you have your projects that you just are Frankenstein are in the hell out of. You know right
3: <laughs> well
4: it's it's funny, you know, because over here not so much now, people are coming starting to come a little bit more terms with it, but they're still your haters, you know and <laughs> when 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 jag first hit the market, uh-huh. right, there was a ma- massive split of people that oh yeah, how yeah, can you breathe jags and neurological retards and blah 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 and <laughs> And then you had the other people taking photos going, oh, but look how beautiful this is and look how amazing that is. And I think that kind of split came together. But you had this association that if you're a person and bred Jags, oh, Mm. that means all your snakes are retarded, right? You can't breed (laughs) pure line animals because you have a Jag in your collection. It's like an airborne plague that infects everything and you can no longer breed pure line animals. You know, it's like, what the hell's wrong with these people? It's like you can do both, you know. I can breed a pure yeah. clutch of bread and I can also breed Bradley Jags. What's the difference? You know, it's like <laughs> Right. But the the I think the stigma for that out, out here comes back from the days when we <laughs> we kinda went through this um pure locality uh, um period of time going back a number of years. Once upon a time you'd have jungles and there'd be Palmerston jungles or Acid and tablelands and that was pretty much it. And then suddenly people went, oh, locale specific animals. That's the shit. That's everybody's going to have locale animals. And suddenly you could go to Cairns and within a 20k radius of Cairns there was 300 locales of jungles. Every second <laughs> kilometre was a this is a Fred Street jungle and that's a George Street jungle and this is a Tottenham Beach jungle it's like well you know two years ago there was a Palmerston or an Atherton's and now there's like these myriad of <laughs> all these locale specific jungles so we went through this period that people only wanted locale specific stuff and back in the time I was actually had my own business distributing for a company in um, South Australia selling reptile products I was travelling all around New South Wales selling, selling reptile products and so, I was, I was kind of following along this. Not that I was a massive fan of having, you know, 13 different Stimson's pythons that all had to be from a different locale, you know, <laughs> which is what people got to. And you'd go in, and I, I'd have a, a, a shop owner say, Oh, I've got a got a guy that's looking for a, um, you know, a Stimson python. Oh, do you want a Georgetown stimmy? you want this stimmy? That stimmy? That stimmy? God just wants a stimmy, mate. Like, just back off. <laughs> and was that, was that real like, it's that realization back then that the general public, the average punter, they didn't they didn't care. They wanted a saint. they just wanted something that looked pretty. And I, I could see back then that the whole I mean it was, not, it was don't get me wrong, it's nice to have locale type stuff, but at the end of the day to say you've got a jungle from here and a jungle from there, at the end of the day if it's a nice looking jungle, people you know, people that are kind of getting into the hobby for the first time will buy it because it's a nice black and gold jungle. I mean, it's very mm-hmm. cool. Don't get me wrong. It's to say there's Miller Miller jungles and certain beach locale jungles and and all this sort of stuff, but at the end of the day, for people new coming into the hobby, they just want a jungle. You, you start going into too much specification, it's the locale, I and mean, you just confuse them half the time. But um, as time goes on, that that kind of locale, it's still there. But it's it's not as, um, I don't think it's as prevalent as, as what it used to be now that mutations have really started to take off, particularly in mer- Morelia rather than than um, some of your other forms. But that, that's all coming with, with anteresia, where with, you've got marbles and T-plus and T-plus dimmies. So you've got a, quite a myriad, and, and it'll, it'll change the same because people start going, oh, you know, I've got an albino mac if you're lucky enough to have one survive. And... Um, You know, they're going to start to to go, well, I'm going to put my albino mac with uh, Marble Children's because I want albino marbles, and then I'm going to put it with granites. and So the same thing, you'll start to see this transgression. And and don't get me wrong, like I said, there's nothing wrong with having lake owl stuff and pure line animals. I I, I keep and breed both. I can still keep and breed pepper to pepper and Mm. produce pure peppers and still outcross it. So going back (laughs) to what you said, Owen, Yes. Now, now that you've produced, dodged the question
3: so well all around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: So it, it was it was kind of one of those things. You, you have a new, a new mutation, which no one else has, and you want to work with it and see what it produces. And I'm a big believer, or well, my theory anyway, is that when, when you have mm-hmm. a mutation, the mm-hmm. purer side of things falls off. So, for example, meaning if I had just nice, normal, wild-type Murrays and I had some nice, normal, wild-type jungles, I couldn't see the point of pairing them together. They would serve no purpose whatsoever. I'd rather produce (laughs) pure Murrays and I'd rather produce pure jungles. However, when you you take a mutation that reduces melanin and changes colour and pattern and all this other stuff, to me, it's about exploring outside... Your standard boundaries, I, I guess. In essence, it's like albinos—they've been crossing to anything and everything—and there's some really, really cool-looking stuff starting starting to pop out. So, I think when you when you've got mutations, it's um, it's a bit of an open gamble. And I think as long as you've got a long-term mindset or a, long set, a lo- long-term goal at what you want to produce at the end, I go for it. At the end of the day, they're not going to be released back in the wild. As, as long as when you sell them you're straight up with what it is you sell. I, I don't lie, there's no, no no point to it. You know, if I say you're getting an XYZ, you're getting an XYZ, there's only comes back to bite you in the ass. and you see those people come and go all the time. They come in and they start mm-hmm. to bullshit people, try and screw people over and you know, it doesn't take long, Facebook catches up. True. You know? So actually I, 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 I know there'll be I, I know there'll be haters out there, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would personally think that
4: that would look
1: pretty awesome as an albino.
2: I mean, the so, jack
1: thing, yeah, that would be cool. That looks weird. Uh,
2: yeah,
1: albino uh,
2: silver pepper. Oh man, <laughs> it will be interesting, interesting so. to say the least. All of them, the combinations will be interesting. So we'll 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 check on that one. Um, so. What was uh, what was your approach to uh, breeding the inlands? Like, uh, can you kind of take us through how you got them ready to roll and when you did the introductions and all that fun stuff?
4: Um, yeah, well, that's I had a really, really kind of funny season to what I um, normally do, and I think the the summer or the I suppose really the, the period where we're normally cooling down. I really struggled to get my, my room cool. So I, I had, I mean, Antaresia, Antaresia. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. It's almost like they go, oh, it's 1st of June, put me together. Well, 1st of May, put me together, I'm ready to go. You can walk in your room, offer food, and if the male Antaresia don't eat, they've got one thing on their mind. <laughs> so you kind of don't don't need to do anything. So I had a, had a few of them mating in kind of June, some of I had a couple of early Morelia matings at that point in time, but I kind of had nothing happen until March. And when it, when I it kind of hit July, um, I kind of started thinking nothing's happening. Like I've got a females. Some females are still feeding. Males are still feeding. Mm-hmm. I'm like something's going on. It's not right. I need to get this room cool. My room was still 23 degrees, which is too warm. So. I went out and bought myself because I have night time I have um, dimmers that drop the temperatures at night time but the room the afternoon sun comes through in the, in the room and just warms it up right before it cools down and it just it can't get the heat out of the room so I went out and bought some, bought some timers and put it on all my adult enclosures and basically shut the temperatures off at night time and that allowed me to drop my ambient room temperature during the day down to 18 degrees so I was obviously getting colder than that at night time and it's, it was almost... I had the timers on there for, for two weeks, and as soon as that kind of cooling period came through, you could tell the whole atmosphere in the room changed. You could walk in, and the males were all active, but none of them were interested in food. And so everything started to go in the right direction. So I put all the timers time, so off, put everything, set everything back, and then I started to introduce some, some males. And so because it was this late period... I finally got everything triggered, but um, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> I, I tend to... Yeah, no, 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 you're doing you're doing good. <laughs> but Keep um, rolling with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my my season really starts probably January. Come come January, I'll check all my females out and check condition and size. Go through what I want to breed, work out pairings. You know, do I want to put this with that or that with this and everything? So I'll kind of sort that out come come January I maintain feed and, and generally March I guess is when I'll, I'll actually pump the females a little a little bit harder than what I normally do just to try and give them that little bit more body fat for for producing the eggs and also give them that mm-hmm. notion that this is a great season and cycle them into in, into the breeding season I mean it's right might not be much. I don't know if you guys do it over there, whether you just smash them hard all year round. But I, I kind of <laughs> after their late I normally put a bit of food into them to get them up to a condition that I like. Then I'll maintenance feed them through, you know, December, January sort of thing, even um, February. But then come March, just prior to when I'm going to consider starting to cool things down, um, I'll just really increase their food intake on on the females, mm-hmm. particularly the ones I really want to breed. Um, and then, then I'll that's cool them down. That's,
1: uh, that's something that uh, I I just recently started doing. And uh, it seems to be working really good. Actually, I think it was when we talked to uh, Troy that he kind of put the idea in my head about, you know, cycle feeding type of thing. Now, I got a question yeah. as far as that goes. Are you feeding bigger meals or are you feeding the normal-sized meal that you would give that female when you're
4: going into that cycle? Well, if I feed them, I generally feed them as big as I can feed them anyway. So I can't really go up, okay. a, side, <laughs> up a side. So, yeah. Um, they would have Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So are so talking like
1: feed. extra large rats, rabbits? What, what are
4: we talking? Well, I, I, I breed rats and mice commercially, so <laughs> I try to, try to keep okay. up with it anyway. And um, oh, so, yeah, yeah, I feed everything. Everything at my place rats and mice, so you know, like the the pepper, she'll she'll take a jumbo rat or an extra large jumbo, which I'll, well, for us out here for me, that's uh, a jumbo rat's two fifty, three hundred fifty grams sort of thing. So she'll she'll eat uh, if I've got extra large jumbos with ex males, um, which are three fifty gram plus sort of animals, they average probably 400, 450. If I've got those, she'll get those, and I'll I'll feed her those. So. I normally take the bigger the bigger rodents and feed that to my priority females if if that makes sense. Um mm-hmm. so rather than like I'd rather my silver pepper girl breed rather than a striped coastal, if if that makes sense. So if I walk in with yeah. two rats and two hundred grams one's four hundred grams, the four hundred gram one's going to go into the pepper, the two hundred gram one's going to go into the striped coastal. So that's kind of how I work it. But in terms of what I actually Feed them. I'll just feed them the same thing, but where I might be maintenance feeding them and feeding them once every two weeks, or give or take whatever sort of thing. Coming into that season, I'll increase and feed them every week. So they they've suddenly right. got this probably a month to six weeks where I'll get a feed every every week, and they'll you'll see them. They'll get all, all big and fat and full of crap and stuff, but. Yeah, and then they'll I'll try to work it so it's finished right on the period where I'm aiming to start to cool them in essence, or that season is about to start where the natural climate starts to drop and temperatures change and things like that, and they're starting to feel that season's coming in. So they, they, they sense it with barometric pressure and all that sort of stuff, so... Mm-hmm. I try. That's what I try and do. That's the theory behind it. Anyway, reality's generally a completely <laughs> different thing. But yeah, that's what, that's what I try and aim to do. So that you know when it comes in, and, and that's what I did this season gone. But um, like I said, I, I just couldn't get the, the temperatures cool in, in in my room, and everything everything delayed, and it was pretty much a month out. The fun. The funny thing was that this is where I'd have stuff mating in. With uh, some of them earlier through through winter breeders mm. through June July, and most of that didn't start till august but the the funny thing is most of that stuff that mated later the females almost ovulated almost straight away so from the from the uh. time of copulation deposition was like a month whereas Sometimes it might be six weeks or two months, depending, you you got get the mates and, and then the females would wait for a certain time and obviously they'd trigger and they'd ovulate. But it was I don't know whether it was a timing thing, but just I found dropping that smashing that room temperature down for those couple of weeks just brought ev- everything into play and um then sorting out the few missed missexed <laughs> animals that I had trying to trying to sort out. So I had, you know, females going in with other females scratching so scratch them head going well, there's nothing happening there. That's not all right. What's going on with yeah. this one? So, <laughs> I was like, so I don't. That's I, better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, anything I sell, I I I'd pop as a hatchy. So normally in the hatchery, I pop them. You know, you pop any or you don't. So, but stuff yeah. I keep back, I I normally don't worry. I just. I'm keeping it anyway I wait till it gets old enough And I worry about it then So I'm not selling it So You know If I sell stuff I, I try to make sure I'm you know, 99% accurate That if I sell a pair I, I sell a pair So You know when I, when I Patch most stuff out I'll just pop it And I can mark it Straight around the tub While i male You know It's got hemi It's mm-hmm. obvious So it doesn't it's, it's a female So Coming into breeding season, I was playing around with some of the peppers. I had those lovely ones that when you probe them, they probe like seven scales, like just in that no-go zone. So I thought, oh, they're probably males or they're probably females. So I had one that probed six I thought was a female. So, you know, um, put in a male and nothing was happening. And, sorry, no, I was really wrong. It was They um, probed seven scales I thought was a male and it was a female. So I was putting the, the female in, <laughs> in with other females and having no success. So Jeez. didn't take long. didn't take long <clears throat> with the, the peppers and shuffled things around, Put started just signing. My, my albino male was on absolute fire this season. So I took all, all, anything I wasn't sure about and put him with him. And if there was a, a male in there, you knew straight away it was a boy. And if it was a girl, he's like, hello, darling. How are you doing? Hello. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was it was a good, good way of sorting through everything. So I took all the adult stuff and just started... <laughs> <laughs> to yeah, one at a time, guards. Can you give me a, a sex test on this, please? Just to make sure. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure enough. Not that I was overly incorrect. I, I think with the peppers, I think I worked out. I, I thought I had uh, one male and five females or something or other, and it turned out I had two males. So it was just the, just the one that had that funny probing. But yeah, it was very confusing when you're putting stuff in with other stuff and not getting the you know desired results. You know. So, that
2: was a bit of fun. But. Wow. <laughs> but it, 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 that's all. But that And you're exactly correct, man. Proven males are the best way to tell if it's a boy or a girl. Because if he's locking with her, it's clearly a girl.
4: So, awesome. Yes, that's it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I had a guy ring me up going, oh, he's got a male this and a female that. And... um, uh, nice. No, what did he have? No, he had... Sorry, he had... Hang on, I've got to think what it was, now. Hmm. I think he said he had... He thought he had uh, a pair or something. And um yeah. he was putting it together. And he said, but nothing's happening. And I said, well, you don't have a pair. I said, because if it's a pair, you know, the, the male should be all over the female. If it's... You've got two males. Well, you know if you've got two males, they're going to start combating and carrying on... Fighting, yeah. Yep. And if they... I curled up happily in the corner, not doing anything. I said, you've probably got two girls. No, 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 it's definitely a female. Uh, definitely a male. I'm like, dude, not doing anything. And anyway, so I did him a favor. I went down and prayed him, And sure enough, it was a female, it Was a it was a male. So just be late. Even if it's you've got two boys, you'll, you'll know you got two boys. They'll fight. If you, so <laughs> yeah. That is true. Um... Yeah, so, Easy way. all the males all over the female like a rash. On the other, providing you've done everything right. So <laughs> you're exactly
2: correct. So <laughs> we talked. We talked about the inland uh, getting them set ready right to roll. Um, when you're doing crosses, uh, like crossing a winter breeder like the inland with a spring breeder, like you know you were talking about you know, or, I'm sorry, the winter breeder like uh, an albino, and you're talking about crossing it with the spring breeder, which is like the inland, Uh, what's your approach to that? Do you kind of take it differently when you're kind of doing the crosses to try to make sure the animals are ready to breed and they're with each other at the same
4: time? Yeah, well, uh, I, I guess I kind of kind of fluked it, but it's, it's probably <laughs> not the, the right terminology, really, because it's about being aware of your animals, and,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and like I said, this season obviously i I put a, a, a pure albino Darwin over a, a bred life female this, this year, only because I've, I've seen some of the albino forms, like in, in albino 50-50 like albino Murrays, and if you can get that Murray pattern to come through in an albino, wow, they're just a stunning looking snake and so I I was lucky enough because my season went late and and this is, I think I've chatted about this before Eric um, because my season went late and I I kind of had to smash the temperatures down over a a two week period it it, it was like flicking a switch, you know one week everything Mm -hmm. thought it was summer, two weeks later everything's like oh it's breeding season, like everything just changed in, in a rather short period of time and I think by dropping those temperatures and then removing those those timers and having the thermostats take back over, so therefore naturally in, increasing the, the nighttime temperatures from, from being cold, I think what happened with the, the female because it was, it was a male male Darwin, and like I said, he was on fire this year. He just put him with anything, and then he was up for it. So coming towards the end of all these breedings, I thought, I was looking at the female um breadline, she looked like she was ready, you know. Mm-hmm. I suppose they're going into too much. And so I thought, you know, what, I'll just I'll, I'll chuck the male albino in there and let's see what happens. so he'd already done, you know, a good five weeks of, five or six weeks of, of mating with, with um, head albinos and other stuff. And I thought, I'll put him in there and see if the, the, there was that compatibility. And I put him in there, all the way. Coming the next morning? And here they were locked up solid. And it was literally one week from the from the day I put him in there, I saw three lockups over the course of a, a week, and at the end of that week, I went to went to pull him out, and he just about took my hand off. <laughs> I'm like,
3: wow! So oh, it was wow. It was
4: it was just that right time, and I think the fact that it, the season went late, I dropped the temperatures and warmed them back up. It cycled the breadline. Uh, I think that brought her into fruition. And the mail had just gone long enough, and I got that one week crossover because I literally took him out and and he ate the same day, so he was like, I'm done, my season's over, no more from me, pal. I'm ready, I'm waiting for next year. So, it was kind of a kind of a lucky thing, I suppose, but I was aware of what was going on by starting late, and when I saw the opportunity was there, I thought I'll give it a crack. You know, I've heard it's um one of the harder pairings to make and I think it was the fact that my room went um took so long to, to cool down that allowed me to bridge that gap I guess, whereas if it had been that you know, four to six weeks sooner, whether my mm-hmm. albino male had actually dragged out that extra couple of weeks at the other end, if that makes sense to, to, to get it on with the, the bread life female so, well, I've spoken right. to a lot of people, there's a a couple of people. There's a lot of people that have had a turn at it, and there's not too many that have been successful. Um, I know um, Joe Ball up in Queensland. He 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 did it this year, but he had a, a like a, a mixed mixed blood albino male uh, male that he used. So whether the fact that that's already got um, coastal in it and, and other stuff um, may already allow the fact that it's it's already been paired with a later breeder, so therefore it's season of mating might be stretched a little bit, I don't know it's just a just a theory but um, yeah it's certainly I've spoken to a lot of people, a lot of people tried it and had no success, not that I'm trying to blow shit out my own ass but I think it was just more a case that <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: maybe I should do no I think it was just a case yeah, of why being <laughs> <laughs> why not, yeah it's because I'm awesome man, yeah uh, no I think it was just being observant and paying attention You're to your right. animals, I mean I, you know, my my whole season revolves around what my animals tell me. You know, yeah, I watch sure. the way they act, where they're in the enclosure, what they're doing, if they're sitting in the heat, if they're sitting in the cool. You know, or all, all, all that sort of stuff. And I mean, it's just the experience, I guess, over over years when you've been doing it for a long time. Like you guys, you tend to know your animals when you start to cool and when you start to put your males together and who's compatible with who and and all that. I, last year, I um, I tried to put my, I sacrificed my have a female last year and refused to put the original male back with her um, and only put my albino male in there to try and get double heads and zilch, no interest from either of them. It was almost like <laughs> it was a race or something. <laughs> I don't know, but it just goes, no, nope, that's not my type, forget it, pal, no, no interest in him whatsoever. Yeah. Yep for me, or maybe or was see, maybe it's, you know, no, I'm not going with that yellow thing <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's, I don't know, so yeah, clutch last year, but you know, it was it was what I, I wanted to make sure that I had that specific pairing, because I was trying to prove out you know, I was hoping to try and prove out that mutation last year, but uh, yeah, all season before, didn't go, so, but this year, like I said, he was on fire and I put him in and he did the job with the pepper girl this year and gave me a nice clutch and so there's now double-head pepper albinos feeding away and growing up in my hatchery racks, so which will be a, another exciting little thing to see what they look like when they eventually yeah. come to in a couple of years. So, yes. That's Very exciting. Yeah, Very exciting. So, cool. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's kind of my rendition on um, how uh, <laughs> I managed to get two opposite seasons or like a winter versus spring breeder to, to get together. So uh, it was just, like, well, I suppose, luck in essence, I guess, that everything went late, but I saw what went on and um, took the opportunity to try and do something different.
2: Love um you th- a student of the serpent, as uh, <laughs> Eric, I beat him to saying it. So. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. What I was going to say is, is that what do you think is that uh,
1: when you're breeding the the uh, the, the spring breeders, um, is is temperature for you guys um, really the most important thing? Like you know, up here, if we're doing diamonds and even some inlands, people have haven't really had success with um, with some of them and breeding them. And it, it, do you think it? Do you think it's the cool down, or do you have any thoughts on?
4: what the problem might be? Uh, I don't know, because I, I... Well, I find Murray's actually <laughs> quite easy to breed, to be honest. <laughs> As,
3: I knew he was going to say
4: that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know. I've had a, a similar conversation with Tom Dyer. He's like, oh, yeah, we struggle to get our Murray." so I'm like, really? Like, really? Um, no, look, it, it, I suppose it depends. I mean, it maybe It depends on what your temperatures are getting to. Look, I aim for my room, my ambient room temperature. So if I walk into my room during the day, you know, I like to see it getting down to at least 18 degrees. So at night time, that's going to be cooler and temps will drop to 15. And the enclosures, because I have thermostats on the enclosures that maintain a warmth, I drop that down around around 20. But that's going to be during the night in the warm end, So 20, 22 degrees, I'm not sure what that means in your funny Fahrenheit language over there, but... um gonna oh, 20, 20, 22 degrees will be... Uh, 71. Uh, just enough heat. Sorry, what was that? 71 degrees 71 Fahrenheit Fahrenheit is is... 22 Celsius. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs>
1: 70, 71 degrees Fahrenheit. Um <laughs>
4: but that's that's going to be warm in so so the, the cool end of the enclosure is going to be whatever the ambient room temperature is theoretically um so if it, it's 14 15 degrees that's where it's going to going to get and I'm not sure but like Murray's, have quite a broad region from basically Queensland down through New South Wales Victoria South Australia so they're quite a broad it's not like you need the, the southern only type state where you may need to get that extra few degrees colder. I mean, they breed in Queensland, so the natural even the cooler temperatures in in winter are still going to be warmer than what they would be saying in in Victoria through through winter. So they should be right. you should need to like freeze a. Freeze, <laughs> freeze their balls, off, so to speak,
3: <laughs> um, to,
4: to cycle into breeding. So, and I've yeah, had one. Yeah, go. On, sorry. If, if
1: I was going to say, if you're taking it down to 14 Celsius, that would be 57 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, Holy crap! You know, I, that's a lot. That, that's a lot colder than like what people are doing in the states as far as ambient. You know. For
3: some reason,
4: there, say, that would a lot of extreme,
1: people are, That would be extreme cold. Right. But like, people are afraid to take their carpets below 70 degrees. They they
4: freak out, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: I don't, I don't think it's so much of a problem dropping their, their temperatures at nighttime. I think where people make the mistake is during the day and not giving them enough heat to be able to warm their body up if they want to during the day. So, during the day, my animals will still get 30 degrees. So, right. but it might be over a, a six hour period or seven hour period where they'll, that warmth will, will come back up. So, they get a nice cool at night time. Allow them, if they want to, I mean, they don't have to go into the cold end of the enclosure, which is sitting at 15, 16 degrees. If they want to, they can stay up where it's still sitting at. 20 plus degrees, so they they have that option of deciding where they want to go to cool down. Right. So I, I think that over 20s are, are in brackets a safe zone. So right. You know, as long as you got warmth during the day, you're not going to risk any sort of respiratory infections from getting too cold. And I think that's the other side of the coin. If they do want to get cold, you need to provide that heat for them during the day. So, if they want to, they go, oh, geez, it's a bit chilly tonight. The heat comes up. Oh, I want to get under that nice warm heater there and sit down and bask and warm up to a, to a happy body temperature. And right. I, I know I've seen it with a lot of with people out here. They, they get told, oh, you need to drop your snakes to minus 57 degrees or else they won't breed. And, you know, it's a load of garbage. You just you need to cool <laughs> them enough. And you need to provide the heat during the day so. You take away that risk of respiratory infections because once once you got a respiratory infection, forget trying to cool them again. As soon as you start to cool them again, that respiratory will just start to take back off again. They'll just mm-hmm. it once they've, they've they've got it. So it's you got to have that balance. And I like I said, I like my room to get to 18. If I walk in my room in the mornings, because my room's not a home, I have a workplace. And I walk in there and I go, I'll just and I'll just have a simple analog gauge, nothing flash, that just sits in the room. And I walk up and we go, it's under twenty degrees. I'm I'm happy, because I know, at that point in time, the uh, the thermostats have warmed on, the enclosures have warmed up, the room's going to be warmer than what it would have been at two or three o'clock in the morning when it's coldest. So I know that it's it's getting colder than that at night time. And you can go in there. I've been there at night time when I've been working till stupid hours, like one or two o'clock in the morning. You can go in there and you can feel the rooms cold. You can touch the snakes. They're cold. Not freezing cold, but they're cooler to the touch. I, should say, I shouldn't say, should say cold. They're, they're, they're cooler to the touch. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you guys normally... So you guys normally don't drop under 70, did you say? What's that, 20 degrees or something like that? Uh, yeah,
2: I... yep yeah it's like normally I have the room heated to around eighty degrees, but it i'm not it's not perfect so if I would not be surprised if during the night my room ambient temp drops below eighty uh give or take a day or two um and, but the cages themselves they all have hot spots of about uh eighty five eighty six so then the snake's pretty much you know, do what they want. If they want to get warm, they'll go over here. If they want to get or down, they'll go over there. So yeah, that's pretty much what I do is let them pick and choose. But there have been days exactly like what you said. If I'm in my room at a stupid hour doing something and I touch a snake, they'll feel cooler. But then there are also other nights where I go to grab this one snake and I know they were just up against the heat because they're warm to the touch. So, it's
4: kind of give a yep. take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I, oh. that's that's where I normally go to anyway. And that's that's pretty much across the board with um, all my animals. Like I said, anteresia, I don't even touch them, like literally. <laughs> they're in a, they're, they're in a, in a or, or one lot's in a 22 tub vision rack, V what V35, whatever it is. And and I don't even touch a the thermostat. I don't think I've touched a the thermostat and it. For eight or nine years since I bought the rack I and mean, I set it up, put a thermostat in it, and the, the first year I put them all in, they all bred. I went, "Oh, that's pretty cool." I didn't even drop their temperatures, so <laughs> you know. Whereas I find you, you can't. I find that the Morelli are a little bit more, um, I suppose, difficult to breed in the sense where you you need to pay them that homage. You need to you need to spend the time with them to make sure you're getting some variation in the temperatures and dropping them down. I mean, it's just it's finding the the, the point that works for you i mean if you're having little success over there uh, anyone out here that i, I talk to at breeding is the first thing i say is make sure your female has enough condition like I, my um my pepper female she she bred at 1.8 kilos and it was 2.3 i think she was the following season this year she was just on four kilos because i kind of she didn't breed i thought oh well i'm just going to stuff you for the rats and and that's what i did i Just fed her up and and got good size, and good weight, and good condition on her. And and I I see a lot of people that struggle to breed because they've been told by uh, um, the the, the breeder they've bought their bought their pair of albino darwins off a bloke at a show for a thousand bucks, and the guys going, oh, you know, don't you know, just you only need to feed them once every couple of weeks. And you know, five years later, they got these things that are still feeding once every couple of weeks. They're they're four foot long and weigh a kilo. You know, and they wonder why they can't breed them. And I say you've right. got to feed animals. I tell people, you like, you your know, females, as soon as they hatch out of the egg, you can just feed them really hard. Give them a good couple of years of feeding up until they get to the adult size. And once they get there, you can maintenance feed them. Then you don't have to make them fat and obese. But often females that I've seen with, you know, a few few guys are learning and, and coming into the hobby and wonder why they can't breed and they send photos or I go to the house and have a look and, and often the case is i go, you need to feed your females, mate. Like, what do you feed it? Oh, well, I feed it a medium rat once a week. Well, it should be eating extra larges, you know, every week. Sorry, a medium rat once mm-hmm. every fortnight. So, right. you know, there's, there's that side of it as well and because you, you guys are big on um, keeping your males small too over there, I not That seems to be a... Yeah, my, it's almost like bragging, right? So I bred my mile at eight
2: hundred grams. <laughs> 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 my in a deli cup. Yeah, it's like yeah, um, it's it, it's one of those things where if a male breeds for me, he gets put on like maintenance feed for the rest of his life, and that's just <laughs> like, well, you 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 now prove to me that you can do the job that I need you for. So forget you, you're, and, and they still get fed once a week, and they do bulk up during the summertime, but. I'm never letting my boys, like I have some large males and, you know, I have some smaller females and those large males are useless because the girls don't want anything to do with them. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like males on the smaller side and I'm not talking like my male can live in a five-quart bin for his entire life. They need to be bigger, but, you know, a four or five-foot male is fine for me, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. Obviously,
4: that's not obviously that's not there. a coastal. <laughs> no, 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 no,
2: no, no. Well, those, no, those I, are Eric's I, coast. Those are Eric's coastals.
1: So.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: my, uh, my I keep my
1: snakes on the smaller side for sure. No doubt.
4: Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, it, but all You go Sorry.
1: I was going to say, but they, you know, they breed. I don't get huge clutches, but I don't want huge <laughs> clutches. So,
4: yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. Whereas <laughs> Owen
1: will get thirty eggs, I'll get fifteen. You know, and I'm fine with fifteen because I'd rather have, I'd rather have sm- like a, a bunch of smaller clutches than one big clutch.
2: You know? Owen wants as yep. many big clutches as he can get until he loses his mind. So you
4: know. yeah, yeah, that's what I did this year. I lost my mind this year. I'm like, what have you done to yourself, you idiot?
2: <laughs> you sit there in the room and it's like,
4: whose fault is this? Oh, that's
2: <laughs> right, it's mine. <laughs>
1: the
2: I did Wait do. a minute. Yeah, At the, on, start I of, it. I was like,
3: the start of the season, was a exciting. <laughs> <laughs> like,
4: all exciting. Yes. Right, yeah, I'm going to breathe this, I'm going to breathe that, and then when it all happens, it's like, what the <laughs> did you do? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. Good. You never that think,
1: think that you're going to be successful. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you never it's expect like, them all to I don't think that all these are going to go, and then somehow they do, and you're like,
4: one year oh, they all man. do, it, and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, but, man, it's, it's always a good plan at the yeah. start.
5: <laughs>
2: oh yeah, with the yeah. best of intentions. But uh, Darren, can you talk about your uh, black and white striped? Jungles for a quick second because Eric was showing me pictures of them and uh, they're awfully pretty.
4: Um, yeah, well, them? That, well, that would be a nice thing to know. Um, <laughs> I had I had some black and white I had some black and white jungles. I, I bought a couple of black and white jungles from here and there over the years and and paired them up. And <laughs> this is another one. This is another one of those stories like the peppers, I suppose. Um. So I kind of bred them over a couple of years and decided to, to keep back a couple of patches and hold back because well, learned a few years ago I'd, I'd had a couple of other projects. Um, one was some nefarious amyais, some rough knob tar geckos, and I produced them, and I, a mate and I were actually doing it. I I bought the animals, had them, bred them for a year, and then a, a mate was interested. I said, well, you look after and breed them. We'll, we'll s- split the split the profits, so to speak, and help pay for stuff, and that way he got to play with what he wanted to, because I was running out of time, and um, so anyway, I sold. we sold them to a, a couple of people, and um, when I was going through my depression, I just I, I got rid of all my lizards and didn't have time, you know, they were g- going to die because, you know, where my head was at the time, and it was... So I decided to play them, and I sold a, a trio that I happened to have kept back, which I was going to keep for myself from the the first pairing I had. And so they were adult animals, and had bred them, and sold them to the mate. And and he produced he produced a pink ameia, like a little pink jelly bean <laughs> out of this ameia. And I'm like, he goes, you ever produced any pink babies? And I went, pink? Nah, like you know, pale orangey colours. Like no, 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 like pink pink I'm like show me a picture actually I'll see if I've got a picture and um, so I sent this he, he showed me this photo of this um, pink Amy and I thought that would be right you know you you finally have um, a project you kind of hold back some animals and then you sell it and someone else recoupes it and another friend that also had bought some animals from us produced the mm. same thing so I'm not sure where the project is at the moment I know they were trying to trying to work out there's a photo so I'll just put that on there. we'll see that it's in the, in the babies and um so that was kind of the, the icing on the cake for me I just I refuse to now breed anything and, and not hold back some babies so right. I'll always always back everything and pair them back and try and see, see what comes of it so with these black and whites I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to sell the base, keep back a couple, and finally got to a point that I had one of the, the original F1 males, F1 generation males, I thought, you know, I'll put him back to his mum. His mum was a nice reduced pattern black and white animal, and we'll see mm-hmm. what it comes of it. Um, just hoping to reproduce, actually, her, her pattern more than anything else, because she had a nice, thin-banded thin um, patterning. So, paired them up, same thing, and this was the same year, this was 2007, this was the same year as I... Produce the, the peppers, and they're actually due to due to pit and due to hatch. And um, I thought, oh, they haven't hatched yet. Looked at the dates, looked at the tank, Thought oh, they should be due to hatch today. I Thought, no, oh, you know, I'll just I'll leave them overnight, which you know I shouldn't have done. So anyway, next morning I come in, and sure enough, there's two heads poking out. I'm like, Oh, sweet, they're hatching. So I've pulled out the container, cut the egg, and I went, like, oh, check this out. <laughs> This is pretty cool, so I did the little happy dance around the room again. (laughs) It's like, wasn't expecting something striped like this. But this is where it, um, I'll throw up some picks. This is where it gets interesting. And I I remember I listened to your show with um, Travis Winram, is it? White Wernham? Travis, the genetics dude. Yeah. Um,
2: Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah, the one we butchered, yeah. Hello? Hello? Anyone there? Jeez, come on, guys, Yes. Give me the prank. (laughs) Um, So I I kind of tried to message him without, you know, trying to be true. I thought, do you mind if I ask you a question? I don't want to drag into this massive essay. And um, I just put up some photos. (laughs) The difference between them all. They're all the same. Like, other than Uh. minor differences. I just put up a photo. There was Half alive and half were dead, dead in the egg, completely formed. I just put up a photo on the NPR chat. That's all the um, ones that were were dead. And see, they're all well, all strong. I think I put up a photo before of the the living ones, but I'll just I'll chuck up. And, then, and then again, like explain that to me. What's happened here? Because it didn't yeah. make sense if in terms of your standard, you know dominant, uh, incomplete dominant, or recessive traits. Neither parent showed right. any trait whatsoever. The female had never produced anything like that extreme in the past. The The son looked like a typical normal black and white jungle um, other than the mum's reduced pattern, but this entire clutch hatched out with these super-striped black and white jungles. And I spoke to a lot of people over here to try and understand, you know, like, tell me what's going on here. Uh, you know, Travis, when I spoke to Travis, he said uh, it, it could be through parthenogenesis, But in saying that, normally if they're pathogenesis, uh, according to what I understand, and this is getting a little bit deeper than my knowledge of genetics, but um, they should all be the one sex. Well, these, both males and females. So... Mm. Like I don't know, you know, have I have I won the <laughs> the, the polygenic lottery ticket and <laughs> you know hatched yeah. all these, you know, just simple polygenic uh, pattern snakes out that all just happen to look the same is is so I have absolutely no idea. And going back to you know the, the mention of the theft, I, I had seven of these which all fed. um... Actually, Kerry King was one of the, the first to see it. He actually, um, last time he came out on tour, he, he I got to meet Kerry through the through the Silver Peppers, and um, you know when he comes out, we try and catch up, and he came down and he was in love with these stripe things. Um, and I had the, had the seven there, and um, yeah, when they when the people broke in, they they decided they'd knock off five of them, so I had two left. No. So, so you know, it was like, oh, you know, you know, amongst other things. But over time and through knowing people and through some very, very good friends, um, I've managed to to get most of them back. There's one left up the Central Coast, which I know where it is. Um, but I managed to to get those back. I've managed to re, re, get back, you know, a, a number of the animals that were were stolen. Believe it or not, just through people and people doing the right thing and stuff. Um, yeah, that's good. So, so this year, it's so they they went, and I only basically got most of those back f- f- over over last year. Uh, so I've got a couple up to size. I've got a female I'm, I'm working on at the moment. She doesn't have enough condition on her yet. Um, so I'm I'm hoping to pair the two together. So, but one of the interesting things that when I went into season last year, one of the males, like, this was another case of uh, mistaken identity, uh, I probed one, I thought it was a female, turned out it was a male, so because it was, once again it was one that probed an, an unusual, I think it probed like six scales or seven scales, I thought oh, I might be a female, but it turned out it was a boy, it was rather shallow for a male, but anyway, mm-hmm. so I actually paired him up with uh, another, another sibling this year and, and got a clutch out of her and the patterning on all those babies is different i guess in essence of a word compared to the the original snakes they they're just they have a different patterning I, I can't really explain it to you know when you see a hundred of these animals and then you see this clutch it's like they're different to those ones so whether that's something underlying or not, I I don't know, but it was just going to be another another just another clutch to hold back. It's like yeah, I've got plenty of room, no worries. So I'll hold I'll hold hold them back, but I'm hoping this year if I can get enough size onto this this female, um, if I can get enough size, I'll I'll have a crack at stripe to stripe this year, and I, mean, I don't know, I, I don't know if there's anything there. I don't know if it's just purely polygenic or if it's actually a a, a new, new mutation or not, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm I'm happy to, <laughs> I've got open ears for anybody that wants to throw in a suggestion as to why you would get, I mean, fair enough, it's mother mother to son uh, pairing, but to explain a, a complete clutch of stripes. So I could understand if there was three or four or a couple that would kind of make a little bit more sense, but uh, an entire clutch. And once again... Big count, sorry. Could it be re-
1: could it be recessive? I mean, like uh, you know, breadline recessive stripe,
4: you know. Um, well, I don't know because this is where the, the the pairings. If if you were, let's let's assume the, the mum and dad were het- heterozygous for the stripes, you wouldn't expect right? the entire clutch. You'd expect a quarter of a clutch. Yeah, the
1: that's stripes, true. Lots of the <clears throat> You could, you could possibly hit the odds and get the entire clutch. I would think that well, if it was that, recessive to hit the odds would be a lot easier than if it was polygenic to hit the odds.
4: Well you know but that would brings on to in into play when uh, what was there was um I think it was like sixteen animals or seventeen animals or something other are uh, 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 hatched or in, in the clutch. But it, that's where I, I guess Travis is trying if the entire clutch was like that maybe that's where pathogenesis comes into it because I mean right. I to get that many animals and when you have a look at them there's very little difference between all the animals other than a, a slight variation in head pattern which is I mean they're all different anyway due to you know the pattern being uh, the fingerprint but you look at them overall, they've all got the perfect striping at the back. They're all kind of dispersed down towards the rear end. The head patterns are all very similar. There's not a huge variation within the clutch. You know, like, I, right. I just just out a clutch of striped coastal, striped, so striped coastal, striped coastal. Some in there are, like, pristine, perfect stripes, stunning babies. And then you've got some that have some striping, but they also have some blotching where the pattern changes and so you don't have it, which is your natural polygenic variation within a clutch, but you just—I right. just—I don't see it in those striped ones. If that makes sense, to you. like there's just not enough variation between 17 animals from one clutch, from two completely unstriped animals, to that's make any sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's why my thing. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the tri-striped ball python, and that is recessive. So I
4: don't know. When I see it, it's just I
1: think recessive, but I'm not a genetic oh. wizard either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: I'm a genetic wizard. <laughs> I hope you're right because uh, it's it's one thing we lack, Eddie. I I know there's a guy working on what he thinks might be some genetic stripe murrays, but um, not to to this extreme. To have something that extreme in a inheritable genetic trait. I mean, it just opens the doors. I mean, just to see that in like in those sort of stripes in an albino form alone, or a really crisp exanthic, or something like that, would just be stunning. You know, just be a, a gorgeous-looking animal. But I just have yeah, to wait. <laughs> yeah, wait another year. Yeah, and if year. it
1: was recessive, <laughs> and if it was recessive consistently, you know, like when you have polygenic stuff, it's like you get yep. you get a range of looks. You know, whereas if you have yeah. something that's recessive or incomplete dominant or something like that, you get, um, you know, consistent. They all look the same for the most part, you know.
4: But, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. It, it's, yeah, the polygenic variants, yeah. So, yeah, so it's a, a cool project. Um, Not sure what's going to come of it. So, it's, you know, unfortunately not having those animals to work with means, you know, I couldn't get the food into them that I would normally have fed. They virtually came mm-hmm. back, you know, the, the size they were when they left. Like they'd, they'd hardly been fed at all for the 12 to 18 months that they'd been out roaming around the world. And naturally, with uh, Sunshine Virus over here being quite predominant and, f- you know, running amok through collections all over the place, they um, had to quarantine as well. So they had to come home. They, they spent eight months at home, had um, Sunshine Virus testing uh, to make sure they were clear and before, before they went back to work. So... Unfortunately, with stuff I quarantine at home, they don't quite get fed as easily as, you know, at work I feed feed fresh killed. I go out and gas a whole bunch of rats and throw some in the freezer to sell and take some down to feed some animals. So um, when I'm at home, I've got to defrost them. And, you know, sometimes after you finish work 12-odd hours, you know, in a lovely, sweaty, stinky rat room or... snake room, the last thing I want to do is go and defrost more rats and feed some snakes, so... but. I mean, they still got fed. Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, now now that they're down at work, and I'm <laughs> try, trying to get as much food. If I could keep my food supplies up, I'd be a happy man. But too many customs, yeah. I think. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I hope you know to have something striped would be very very cool. I think, and to have another another mutation like that, that's like the fourth one I've produced. <laughs> I <laughs> don't know what to do, but all these weird things keep happening to me. So that's awesome. That's
3: awesome.
4: Yeah, yeah, so I'll so, send some uh, over because I just too much to work on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the check's in the mail. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, one of those rubber checks doing bounces everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right.
1: So uh, I figured um, before we. Uh, yeah, we still have some time. But before we run out of time, I wanted to make sure that, you know, one that's near and dear to my heart before Owen talks about one that's near and dear to his heart. Uh, you work with um, <laughs> Imbricata. Um, tell us about that. I mean, I know you said they're like coastals, right? <laughs> yeah, they're,
3: they're, they're
4: western coastals versus eastern or northern coastals. Yeah. Um, look, there's something new to me. Um, I've. Wanted Imbricata for oh geez eight or nine years when they they first allowed you to to collect them in WA or you were able to get them from WA. Problem, my biggest problem was having not having to know someone that I could trust because to send send snakes from WA over. I knew I, I got in contact and found a couple of people over there, but when I spoke to people out on the eastern side uh, in Sydney. The, the supposed pairs that they were getting turned out to be all males, and it was all wrong, and so I, I kind of got disheartened. I was organising a 2.3 brought over mm-hmm. many years ago. It was, it was it's just like I said early on. It's just one of those species, another species I want to breed and, and tick off the breeder box. Um, I had an interest in them for a long time and didn't really know anyone. And then when I was actually over in Tin. In, Tinley Park, you might um, remember the bald Pommy guy that was with us as well, um, Matt yeah. Harris over in WA. Yeah, Matt, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he he, yeah, yeah. he breeds them over there. So he's from West Australia, and he he breeds uh, the Imbricata over there. And um, while we were away, we were chatting, and I said, oh, you breed Imbricata. And I'm like, I've always wanted some of those. And um, he goes, oh, I'll send you some. No worries. So I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, so yeah I've seen this i over so I paid the transfer fees and all that sort of stuff and, and some money and yeah he, he sent me over 2.7 of Inbracada so I'm like they're, they're growing up they're, they're stuff, yeah two, I did say I was a hoarder <laughs> Jesus <laughs> point, Christ. Sorry, two point, sorry 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 2.5 so I have 7 sorry 2.7 2.5 so you know, 2 males 5 females yeah so, uh, which is one of the photos I sent out before. But Matt, Matt's, Matt's a great guy, um, lovely bloke for a pommy. and and um, you know he's, he's sent him over and given me some tips and send me some photos of his setups and, and all that sort of stuff. They're not a, they're not a big snake; they're quite a small snake. They're only five foot long. Uh, so, very excited to to work with those. Hopefully. Hopefully this year, if I can get a bit more food into a they we're getting some decent size on them now. They were fussy kind of mice feeders um, to start off with. Um, I've still got a male that's really, really picky. Uh, he does eat, but he's quite fussy. But I've got um, three females and a male that are like just smashing down rats at the moment. So I'm trying to, trying to get those up, up to size and, and have a go at breeding them. So there'll be a new new venture and <laughs> more hoarding. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. I, I can't I can't really you know, I can't get on here and tell you all, all these things about breeding. I haven't really done it firsthand. So I don't I'll, I'll only be making up stuff and telling lies. But they are a ver very cool looking animal. They do have a similarity with coastal, but they are just different. Uh just different in appearance, their markings and there are, there are some quite nice some Quite nice ones um, over in WA, and one of the interesting things oh, yeah. that Matt, Matt actually said to me, he goes, "It's the males that are the problem." He said, "If you can find a good solid breeding male, he said, you're laughing." He, he reckons that some of the um, really nice, good-looking males can't get them to breed. He said, "Doesn't matter what he tried, just can't get them to breed." But um, he said he's got a couple oh. of males there that that, that, are, that are quite good at um doing what they do best. But he he said reckons that males are the problem. He so said you can have girls and she, he said they'll will go, no worries. But he reckons finding a, a virile male um is more to the problem. Now whether there's anything to do with being wild caught um over there and and, and a lack of captive generations I, I guess mm-hmm. to work with has anything to do with it. Right. I'm not sure, so I'm just hoping that the two males I've got, like I said, one's absolutely powering along. I'm just hoping <laughs> that will that feeding attitude will go through to his uh, sex drive. <laughs> come winter, <laughs> it'll continue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that's yeah. the one one thing that he mentioned to me. So I thought it was was interesting. So oh. I don't know many people that have, that have bred them. I know there's a few people around, but he, he's one of the few that I know is Breed them successfully. He doesn't breed them every year, and he breeds them every every a couple of years just for the fact he's
3: he doesn't need
4: to breed them all that often. So,
2: right, yeah. Right. So,
4: there. I'll just give you more photos of those when I take some more. I know you like them, Eric. So, i <laughs> yeah. That's right. Torture him. Yeah, I'll torture <laughs> him. Yeah. Send him mating photos and <laughs> things like that.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
2: You'll have to, Not a real thing. <laughs> to <make> <laughs> Yeah, well, oh, yeah. if that happens, like, you know, it, we, we don't want to, we, if we come and visit you, then you're going to know the guys who robbed you again because it will be us doing it in front of you. <laughs> like, you know, we're shoving silver-peppered Inlands in a bag and you guys you are just going to have to stop us <laughs> every time. So, put those back. All right.
3: Check so, in, right. <laughs> yeah, right. in the mail. The
4: yeah, check in the mail. Yeah. Get in the place, get in the other place a little bit different nowadays. The security's That's kind of been lifted dramatically. You'd
2: be like, so I'll just go to the airport and pick them up after you idiots get arrested. So yeah, I mean that'll just be how that goes. But um no So Eric Eric got to talk about his and so now we're gonna talk about mine. Because I think you've been torturing me about rough scales since you and I met at Kinley Park. Um, yeah, you were like you, li- you were like I sold a rough scale for like three hundred dollars. You had a little tinker tail. Like you, you have any idea how much I paid for rough scales? You jerk! So it's like you know it's one of those things. I saw, so w- like, I sold well,
4: an, an, your... an unspeeding pair to a, a good friend of mine for four hundred bucks last season.
2: See what the hell? <laughs> like, you know, um, I do that every time, but um, I know so, fifteen in Mahachi, so right? Yeah, exactly. How do you feel about the ruffies, and what's it like working with them? In your
4: opinion, I, I love the ruffies. Uh, a lot of people have on the obviously when um, John Wigan first started working with the ruffies, uh, he was working with a wild population or collection a collection of wild animals. So yeah, you know everyone probably seen the photos of the you know with their mouth open and that real. Aggressive-looking defensive stance they have, you know, with open the mouth and look at you like, yeah, I'm come here, I'm going to rip your face off. And um, obviously, with um, Brian Barczyk, Barcheck, the uh, one of his, one of his shows, he had a ruffie that just was chewing his arm up left, right, and centre. That yeah. was uh, I over love here. Show. Oh. <laughs> one of the shows biting <laughs> his arm a beast. So they kind of got this yep. little bit of a, a stigma about being. You know, and an aggressive snake, and they have got huge teeth for their size. So obviously, you know whether mm-hmm. they dr- drive that, they say, oh, maybe because they eat birds or whatever, and they get a bit of grip. I, I don't know, but they got they got decent size set of chompers for the size snake they are. But they're extremely placid. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I just hand in the enclosure at any time and just pull them out. They just they just are really docile animals. They are really, really, really nice animal. I I bought them not for any dollar value or anything like that, I bought them purely because they were different when I, when, oh, years ago when John first started work with them I got got the chance to handle one up at the, the reptile park in Gosford and play with one and as soon as I touched that animal and, and felt the scalation on it, I was like oh, I'm in love, I've got to have some of these just <laughs> for that just because they're so cool they don't feel like any other, any other Morelia, and um mm. uh, So when when I could, because they were huge dollars when they first came out. Um, So when I was able, (laughs) when the price came down enough that I was able to afford to buy some, I bought myself a couple, and uh, they're really easy to keep. They're really hardy. They breed easy. Like this is the third year in a row that mine's. You know, I think the first year she dropped fourteen eggs. Last year she dropped fifteen. This year she dropped fifteen. I don't smash them with a lot of food. I don't really power feed them. I'll probably actually give them arrest this coming year just just because I so, have you know I've had my fun, I've enjoyed, I've bred a few. I've got um like I said, there's fifteen in the hatchery right there at the moment, um, all starting to feed and do do the right things. I'll probably keep back a pair or two or something like that. And um yeah. I'll I'll sell the rest on. But uh they're really really easy. They're in a They're in like a three-by-two-by-two sort of enclosure, ceramic heat emitter Mm -hmm. at at, at one end, the branch. They can hop on and cruise around if they want to. Um, Really simple setup. I don't have big, flash, elaborate setups. You know, the branch is over the top on most of them. (laughs) So, um, yeah, and, and pretty much... My, any other any other my, any other of my Morelia, they they're almost like anteaters to breed. Like seriously, I reckon you, you almost don't have to kill them. I reckon. Uh, life <laughs> so I, I I don't know whether it's just me or the setup or whatever it is, but like I said, my room gets to temperature. I drop their I drop their nighttime temps down a bit to you know twenty odd degrees, but. Maybe you put enough condition on your female and she drops a good healthy clutch every year. The one thing I do find interesting, though, I don't know whether it's just mine, other, others may be different, but my male can be a really picky feeder for a certain time of the year. And uh-huh. I I try to get this, um, I guess it's a, almost a two-month window of where he's like ravishing. So you'll you kind of kind offer him a fee and he was like, No, nah, I don't want anything, don't want anything and the next week you'll go in and all of a sudden you'll just smash rat week after week after week till he gets to himself to a certain I i to a certain condition and then he's back mm-hmm. off his feet again. Doesn't want to know about it. And it's 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 frustrating of course after obviously breeding and she lays her eggs and you know, you, you want to get some condition on the both of them, she'll eat no problems. And you're trying to get him to feed, and he's like, no, I'm not interested. I'm like, dude, you, you, you're done for the season. You're finished. He's already had eggs. It's snows down until yeah, next year. Yeah, it's, it's over. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's over. And um, he's just like, no, no, no. And then come sort of January, you'll go, oh, it's time to eat. And he'll eat for January, February, may, maybe March. Um, and that's it. you will eat probably rat every, every couple of weeks. And he's he's done. Yeah. He's ready. He's ready for season number four. But like I said, I'll probably rest him this year. But yeah. yeah. So, but no, they're they're a very cool snake. They tend to change the color a little bit at night time. I don't know if you do. You, do you have
2: ruffies on? I have two. Uh, yeah. I have Two yeah. ruffies. Um, and, and what you're saying about the the picky thing? I had a boy that like eight and eight and eight and eight and eight to the point where like he eclipsed his brother by. So much that he was—he like, was just so much bigger than his brother it was ridiculous. And then, yeah. right when he got to a certain size, he just stopped eating. And it was like, I'd offer, and he'd be like, "No." And then maybe every couple weeks he'd be like, "Yeah, all right," and he'd eat. But, and then that was it. And that was the one actually I sent to Nick um, to breed with Nick stuff. But it was the exact same way. It was just like, "No." And then he'd maybe lose a little bit of weight, and then he'd start eating again until he got to a certain weight again, and then he'd be like, yeah, I'm good now. So it was like he was regulating himself weight-wise. It was awesome. I didn't have to worry about him. But uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I have two roughies, and definitely the girl is the one that looks more different at nighttime. Like, she looks a whole lot darker. It's kind of cool. I like it. So
4: Yeah, they kind of color change. Slightly. Not all mm-hmm. not, I find they don't do it all the time, but yeah. some nights you go in and there's a there's a big difference, and other times you go in and they just look normal. So, but the, I had a, a main one actually produce one that had it, it died unfortunately, but it actually had some some striping on it. So, which I thought what? was pretty cool.
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't, Holy crap. Of, um, I don't know
4: if I've got a photo of that floating around here somewhere else. Um, that would have been awesome. I don't know yeah, why, but I wanted a striped one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's only a matter of time, isn't it, really? Yeah. Before something something like that. It was kind of this partial... partial oh, what did I just do? Yep.
2: I, 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 I still want more. I have two, but I want more. So, uh, I, you know, Eric, Eric can sit there and pine over the Imbricata, and I can still pine over the Ruffies because I, I just want more. So...
4: Yeah! Oh yeah, wow! Man, look, look at that! Right look man, at man, that!
2: Man.
4: Oh my god! Go.
3: Oh my
2: God. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> yep, yeah. done. I want it. Even though it's got weird bug
4: eyes. Yeah. Um, uh, once uh, it uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, didn't survive. But it, you know, it's, it's like anything. The more you are, the more you inbreed. I, I guess the the common stuff falls off the allele in in essence and the chance of something cool and unusual has more opportunity to rear its head so and that's one thing I haven't done I said before you know for now I'll always breathe something hold hold it back and, and so i produce F1s and then then produce F2 generations to see if you know there's, there's anything that might be there and it's one thing I haven't done with the roughies. I've just kind of bred them and, and sold them, just enjoying my pair, and it's just kind of been one of those little things on the side. But this year, I've I've got a couple of the smashing down races at the moment. So they're going to go and hold it and, and grow it and breed it in a couple of years' time Time bin. And just out of curiosity, when you look at something like that, it's like, wow, how cool is that for something different? So yeah. you, you never know what might what might hatch.
2: That's so cool. So, yeah, that is that. I again, I just want more. So that's my problem.
4: <laughs> Hoarders. Hoarders, Yeah. You see that show, hoarder? You think you wonder if someone's going to knock on your door one day and come and say, "Sorry, mate, you've got to stop hoarding all these snakes. We're here to collect them."
2: <laughs> that that might be the way to get Eric to part with certain things. Like you know, I'm waiting for him to let go of the. uh, Tiger's head albino, and uh, he, he's he's got them in like a vice grip. He won't let me even see them.
4: So nope, yeah. they don't exist, do they, mate? Sort of a figment of Owen's imagination.
3: You're right. <laughs>
4: <They're all gone. laughs> yeah, they don't exist. Yeah, I know. It's like that. It's it's hard, to know. There's so many cool things you get. And you think, oh, I keep a lot of I keep some of my stuff a little bit quieter nowadays, and. You know, because I know when I when I produced the first pepper, I had had uh, an accusation of, oh, how do you know it's they're pure Murrays? I'm like, look at the pics of the adults. Like, you know, <laughs> you'd have to be rocket scientist to know they're pure Murrays. And then, and what yeah. what I found out was that he crossed Murrays into into Jags. in the very early stages of Jags out here in in the, when they first got smuggled in. And um, yeah, he was like, of course, he produced these Murray Jags. You know, and I suddenly popped up with this. It was like, oh no, someone else has got a Murray Darling mutation, and, and basically tried to debunk it. You know, like that it wasn't. And um, once I kind of realised what he was doing, because I had all, I've got all the stats, like you know, incubation time, um, mm-hmm. the whole lot, and there's there's nothing irregular. It's perfectly normal um, what it was, and the photos, the whole lot, and he was trying to make out that oh maybe it was a jag pairing, and yeah. And so I just shot him down in flames, and then. Said you know, awfully a lot like gammons as well, you know. So that kind of didn't go down well. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll leave, we'll leave that one there. It's just, it's just one of those things that makes me laugh, you know. Someone, someone's lucky enough to get something different. There's always people that want to try and, you know, find. Oh, it's crossed with this, or it's crossed with that, and it's really it's really bad. hard. Yeah, it's it's really hard now if you, you produce something new and different and doesn't matter, you know, your reputation. As soon as you go, oh, I've got a, you know, an, an albino diamond python, for example, it, it, it wouldn't matter if it, you'd found it in your backyard. Everyone would be going, oh, it's probably a diamond cross with a diamond or it's each, that and the other, you know, it's just instant. And it's very hard to, to, to prove any, any right. of the people to just shoot yeah. it down, you know.
1: That's got to be super frustrating yeah. because if you really do find, a, a, you know, a, I, well, didn't that didn't that happen with the albino
2: coastal? I mean,
4: yeah, yeah, everybody know.
2: thought it
4: was a Darwin mix. Yep, yeah, everybody yep. was you know. uh, still going on. I mean, they're gorgeous looking those ones that Kurt's got up there. You know, they they see photos on on Facebook all the time, and you know, we be to see what he's obviously got a few projects he's working up on there. So I'm interested to see what he. Comes out with all that stuff he's got out there with those coastals. He's got some nice coastals.
2: Right. Those I want because then I can do albino things with my coastals and still be a purist at the same time. So, yeah. <laughs> yes,
3: well, what's the fun yeah. of that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, get out and live a little. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Jeez. They're
3: pure. <you laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway.
4: It um, says it says Morelia pythons right there. It doesn't say Morelia Purists right <laughs> here.
2: That's only because he wouldn't let me put it on the marquee. But um, no, yeah, no, no. <laughs> that was a debate. But um, yeah. I'm interested to see how Darren takes the last couple questions because he's in Australia. And where we sit here and we're like, if you could have any Python in the world, we're like instantly go to what do they have in Australia that I can't have? So I'm yeah. interested to see what your take is on these questions because you're on the flip side. Because I remember you handling the blood pythons at Matt's table.
3: Yeah, um,
2: I, yeah. yeah, checking them out and being like, these are so cool. And we're like, it's a blood python. Not to knock <laughs> Matt and his blood pythons. But um, anyway, now that I'm going to get in trouble for that
4: one. Um,
2: <laughs> Good job. Uh, yeah, I has feeling feelings I? You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> He'll just do what he normally what? does and email me tomorrow. Anyway, um, so Darren, if you could keep any reptile without any limitations, be it price or law, what would it be and why?
4: Oh, I'd, I'd keep a silver pepper mary dolly. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Oh, you, know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny because what what you say is dead right. You always want what someone else has got across the other side of the ocean. You yeah. know, and I, I kind of, I looked around and thought, oh, what would I kill? And to me, there's there's a few things. Like, I love, I love pines. And if there was a pied carpet, oh, that would be heaven. That would be the number one. i <laughs> oh, have man. so many pied carpets. I just, that's all I would have <laughs> Pied carpets of every colour and pattern you could think of, but obviously yep. they don't exist yet. I'm sure they'll they'll turn up one day somewhere, hopefully over here, and you won't have them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> um, but <laughs> so there's there's a few a few things, and I, I like I like rare and unique stuff, and I like nature, and it's very hard being just an avid reptile lover in general. It's very hard to pick any one thing but I thought I was thinking the other day I was thinking oh, how cool would it be to have like a pet Komodo dragon <laughs> <It'd be> like, <laughs> just going to and feed the dragon what are you going out in your backyard it's for like, and have this like free giant lizard yeah. <laughs> that's right but so you know thinking, or, 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 or Tuatara or something that's you know rare and only in New Zealand and, and stuff like that but this. So many. I don't know. I, I couldn't like. I went through and I was writing things. Like I saw like Kevin McCurley with his um, cow reticulated pythons. I mean, like, how awesome do those things look? You
3: know, <laughs> so
4: all right. the simple things which you, you guys would hate would be like a, you know like an exantic pied ball python or exantic uh, pied retic or you know. But then there's things like um, you know those um, those dragon snakes or whatever they. call oh, yeah. Sort of dra- those gray things, yeah. And, yeah,
2: know, think,
4: call, oh, yeah, how, how, yeah, or the um, I think they call them a spiny bush viper or a hairy bush viper or something. Or other little tiny viper. viper. Yeah, yeah. Th- things like that, like the the unusual and, the, and and the quirky or stuff like that. So you know, the one thing that's always had a, a bit of a soft spot. I've always loved the the banded iguanas and Fijian banded iguanas. I thought they would be very cool. Just nice green. They're kind of like the the chondro of the, the lizard world, I reckon. You know? but Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. It's,
4: yeah I, I, to be honest, I couldn't... <laughs> I'm too greedy. <laughs> I'd want to... I'd go... Like, just around, around Park. Yeah. Don't I'd, make I'd carry a bucket it. under my chin for dribbling at everyone's tables. you go, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. You know? just <laughs> It'd be like you guys coming out here and you come down and you... you you know, you finally get your hands on a imbricata, it's like so, uh, there, uh, over I'm there I'd pull like,
2: Eric oh. away from it. It's gonna be bad. He's gonna cry.
4: So <laughs> Yeah. So it's there's yeah, there's so many things I'd I'd love to I don't know, I'd be terrible. If I li- honestly, if I lived over in in the US or, or that, I'd I'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I there's so many, there's so many bloody snakes and lizards and stuff, I'd be shocking. I just, I, I can't help myself. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I'm, then, then you, I can't just buy something and and keep it as a as a pet as such. If I buy it, I've got to buy two at least two. So normally, I try to buy like two point three or something. So if if I buy a pair and then I have to breed it because I, I want to understand more about the animal and how it works and you know, then housing those babies and getting those babies to feed, and then holding those babies back and producing more babies, and yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd be terrible. But yeah, there'd be a few things. I, I, I definitely think like a kimono would be cool to have around the backyard. And, uh, some of those, some of those that like Jay Brewer and that, and some of those guys over there produce it's like a bucket full of colours. Unfortunately, they get twenty odd feet long, but yeah, it'd be nice. If they got <laughs> You know, obviously they'd yeah. be quite a bit more of a, a manageable size, but yeah, yeah. I, it's hard. So maybe I should just say, you know, Murray Darlings. <laughs> 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 play
2: it safe. Yeah.
4: yeah, yeah, play it, play it safe. Yeah, I'd, I'd be biased if I try to pick any one thing over anything else. I suppose, but yeah. I love everything, so I'd be, you know, I'd even be like, oh, crested geckos, how cool are they? I want some of those. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, those, those pack, and those Pac-Man me in the frogs and shit like that. I'd just, I'd be terrible, honestly. I'd just, I'd be broke, couldn't afford to feed anything, I'd have to have a big fire sale and sell <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: I feel your pain, man. I feel your pain. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's just the opposite for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, yeah. I could care well, less about a Pac-Man frog, but if I come down there, I'm going to, you know, you're going to say, that's just a crappy python, and I'm going to be like, no,
3: you understand. <laughs> no, <laughs> crap is awesome. This is like the greatest Moralia, thing ever.
4: <laughs> Morelia crapota. Yeah. Yep. Now that's, well, that's, that's the same problem I've got here. That's why I've, I've kind of got this little, uh, I suppose, bucket list of things I want to tick off and, and do, and, and that's breeding all the Morelia. So... You know, it's not like I've got to do it this week, but it's you know I've collected all the slowly collecting all the different forms of Morelia. I mean, obviously Owen Pelly might be a little while away, but you know, and and, and Conros, but yeah, it's it's quite a thing. Like I mean, really enjoying the carpets and you know what some of the patterns and colours out there with the the, the multi gene mutations and stuff that are being produced. It's like oh, wow, there's some very very some very cool stuff being produced at the moment, so absolutely, you know, and I can't yeah. can't wait to mix up some of that stuff with the peppers. There's a big big list of projects to go on with that stuff.
1: Yeah, you'll be doing that very for cool. years.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's started. It's started. So I've got um, so I've got pepper the jags now, and I have got pepper to albinos now. So I have got those two lots of double heads, and then um. Hopefully next year I'll get pepper to zebra and then um pepper to exantic, so that'll be a couple more to to go off and then like just on a on a s side note like if you look at look at the the pepper patterning and at the moment it's got that silvery kind of background color, but I look at and think how cool would that be with like black and yellow or like black oh, and red God, so or yeah, in black and white. So I've kind of looked at those in a in a, a polygenic sense and think, well, you know, it's it's I'm going to look at. I don't know if I'm going to do it yet, but uh, I, I thought you can get some of the Murrays, you know, like South. Um, Southwest Queensland, you get some of the Murrays and some of the richer Reds. I mean, you, you can find Murrays and the Reds in them all over the place. That seems to be more of a predominant area, but you, you do get them scattered around. And I thought, what's a, what's a fast way of putting Reds into a silver pepper? I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I should put, a, put it over a bread line. <laughs> no. <laughs> nice. That'll
1: get, get, that'll get
3: some Reds. hypo Red <laughs> so, bread line. Oh.
2: <laughs> Uh, yeah.
3: uh, uh,
2: stop it! All right, um, <laughs> quick next question. Um, <laughs> yeah.
4: I thought that had touched a nerve. <laughs> it did.
2: Anyway, um, all right, Darren, if you could go herping anywhere in the planet again without limitations, where would it be, and what would you be hoping to see?
4: <sighs> it's probably. Once again, it's one, There's probably two two places I'd probably go, and it'd be a split between maybe Borneo or Madagascar. And um, okay, like you know, to, to go to Madagascar. I mean, just aside from reptiles, the sheer volume of really unusual and really cool wildlife to you know to see orangutans in the wild, you know, would be would be a a very cool thing, but. You know, some of the stuff like, you know, I'd always wanted to see, like, the mangrove snake or mangrove cat snakes. I think you, you, you call those really nice black and gold um, mm-hmm. snakes. Some of the, like, in Borneo, and just to, to see a wild reticulated python and, you know, like green vine snakes and stuff like that. I just, and you know, amongst all the other lizards and agamids and, and everything else, chameleons and, and stuff. And similar to Madagascar, like, I'd love to see a dummrills bar, I reckon they're pretty cool-looking... Sort of thing and and some of the iguanas they've they've got over there, so it's it'll be one of those two places, I think just from the sheer more so the sheer variety of wildlife um in such an uh, I, I guess an uncharted areas, I suppose, or where there's a small population or you know areas where it's not quite trampled through, you know like mm-hmm. if you, you can you can go go to cairns and go find walkways through and find a boy's forest. But when you kind of get out into the midst of the jungle and where someone hasn't been for the last twelve months or two years or three years or something or other where, where nature's itself I think it would be pretty cool and just, you know, frogs and everything. I mean you know, not that I'm a massive frog guy, but you know, I, I love animals and wildlife so to to see a you know Cool-looking frog is just as exciting to me as, as anything else. So, you know, but there be would the, be the split between that. I did have an opportunity to go to Borneo, but just time and funds and everything else didn't didn't come through. And some of the photos that, that those guys saw over there was just it was just an amazing amazing couple of weeks I spent over there. But yeah, so they they probably be two places. But I mean, I could add to the list if you like. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Pretty
4: much everywhere but Antarctica. So it's like, yeah, okay. So um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Or we, could go the or we could go to see the penguins. Go the yeah, up to but the that's pollens. not
2: that's not herping. It's
4: herding <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. So they they'd probably be of the two other places. I mean, I could say Australia, but I've actually done quite a bit of bit of herping out here <laughs> uh, over the years. So it's still it's still cool. I don't get the time to do it as much anymore. But you know, I've done quite a few trips around. New South Wales and Queensland out herping and taking photos and stuff like that. So, but yeah, they would be they be two places. it would oh. be very cool. Now, real quick before
2: I think we're gonna I think we're getting close to the
4: limit here. So I want
2: you to be able to throw out uh, your contact info or how can somebody get in contact with you so that they could like beg for a silver pepper <laughs> and like laugh and hang up on them or something like that. It's Like so how would, how would people get in touch with you um and
4: uh what's your business name and stuff like that um well, I kinda don't really have one to be honest uh it's, um you find me on facebook under under Darren Whitaker um you can add me, add me on there um got a number of friends on there but i I try to put up stuff and obviously Instagram the other one Darren reptiles only on instagram uh is, is the other one i I haven't been on there as much lately I went on a holiday for a couple of weeks and just been basically on, on catch up since I've been back. So I've got a whole heap of photos of stuff that I wanna put up and including little things like the you know, the the albino Darwin crossbred lie, some of the some of the, the jags I've produced, the, the double head um pepper albinos, just a, not that there's any flash but in you know, they're just wild type appearing animals but just things of interest. So I I normally just do it out of my own I just normally look at something and go, oh, that looks pretty cool. And take it. I mean, I only take it with my phone, so it's not, they're not the least the best of photos. Half the time I delete all the photos, i go, I'll take a photo of this. And like the Imbricata, I remember I was, I was talking to Eric at one point, point. I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to G him up and take a photo of an Imbricata. And you'd think I could get a half-decent photo of one. Just to wind him up. I was like kicking myself. Oh, well, you know, you'd... Because they they kind of they'll sit there and feed, and if they don't want to feed, they just launch themselves out of the enclosure. Like just they come flying out at 100 miles an hour, and so you have got to chase them around. So you've you've got to kind of get them at that point where they don't realise you're there and get the photo. But then if you've got no light in, you know, no decent natural light, the it just doesn't look right. So I was <laughs> I was trying to do that. So normally I take a photo and take like 10 photos. And go, oh, there's a good one. That'll do. Well, I'll put that one up. So it, it's very hard to capture some of the stuff. I mean, you all know what it's like, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So I I'm just scans. I normally put it up on there, and then I'll go and copy it and put it up on Facebook. I occasionally, posting the groups. I just I don't. I used to get involved and try to talk and help people, but all you end up doing is arguing with idiots, and all they do is drag you down their level and beat you with. Ex-